Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of The Adam King Show, your favorite new show coming up on Bandai Video at InfoWars. And we are coming off some major, major, major shows. I feel like the last five, six shows, I can't even remember how far back they've gone, has been blockbuster after blockbuster after blockbuster. I have to say, this show has been booked for the last two weeks. I've had so much anticipation for this show. And this one takes the cake. It is very exciting what is happening over here at the Adam King Show. And today, as our guest, we have the one and only, the Goy Shihach himself, the king of the Klippa. We have Adam Green, no more news, coming to join us. King of the Klippa, that's, that's right. It is truly surreal to be here. I never thought in a million years that I would be having a conversation with a Kabbalah enthusiast Jewish man on InfoWars' website, Bandot Video. Uh, especially after a few, about a month ago, I did a video, two-hour video, when I discovered that Alex Jones has a, a Kabbalah dual Israeli on his site that I did a video, two hours of playing clips of two you. Two and I a watched half hours. Of your videos, two and a half hours. I watched all your videos, clipped up the parts, did a video commenting on it, and then said, let's have a conversation. You were up for it, and now we're here. I'm very happy to be And it's uh, been like be one nonstop conversation. We've been going for like two weeks. You know, the scheduling, there was so much content that we spoke about from, you know, when we first met to when we actually got to record it, that coming into this, I don't even know what to where to where to begin with you. I mean, like this, mm -hmm. you and I, our conversations are so transformative. They have such a way of really changing the dialogue on so many of these like really important issues that have been plaguing society as they pertain to religion and Christianity and Judaism and the God of Abraham and all these like fundamental concepts. And I got to say, before we get into the, today's conversation, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. Your depth of knowledge on these subjects is absolutely profound i mean you have such a, a a depth and profundity of knowledge on these concepts that even even a lot of rabbis don't possess and i think that that's extremely important to uh to uh to say and and it's exciting to meet somebody not jewish who has such a depth and love and passion for understanding whether whatever f has fueled you to this you certainly have acquired so much in it so my is off to you for that one. You know, honestly, uh, Alex Jones had a lot to do with this researching. <clears throat> first, first kind of, I stumbled in the political world onto Alex Jones many years ago. I was a huge fan of Infowars, and then there was always the rumors that he wouldn't talk about Zionist power or, uh, you know, Jewish conspiracies. That he was a gatekeeper. So uh, I eventually became convinced of that and started doing. Like I'm, if people don't know, I'm probably like one of Alex Jones's biggest nemesis online i've done so many videos talking about how alex jones is a christian zionist and he's he's giving disinfo and all types of stuff so uh i i, I hope we can get into a little bit of that here although i mean preferably yeah, i'd like to be able to debate him to his face so maybe uh maybe you can hook that up get me a that'll be that'll break the internet if him and i have a debate but uh, yeah, I'm honored. I think this will be your biggest, uh, most anticipated show, most likely. I hope so, at least. 
At least and, for and me, it is, you know, uh, because these subjects are the thing that I'm most passionate about in life. People always ask me, like, what do you do? What's your thing? I own a company. Mm -hmm. I have a tech company. I have, uh, you know, my show on Infowars. I, I do all sorts of things. But like the thing that I'm most passionate about, my nonprofit work, uh, you know, Maggie Veeam, our organization. But but the thing that I'm most passionate about is my pursuit of spirituality and that is really who I am as a person. So I anticipate this because it's so unique and so different. I mean, how it, just in the Jewish world, people know who you are. And they've, you know, in many ways have labeled you an anti-Semite because of your criticisms or desire to understand specific things in the text that didn't make sense to you. And... By the or they do make sense and it's it's just that i'm opposed to them i'm a critic of them and yeah i do I, i've been called because i i'm a big critic of judaism or i say zionism which includes christians and jews which is really i feel like zionism is just 100 based on judaism there would be no zionism zion is like the belief zionism is the belief in zion and, and the god of israel is the god of zion so i say all christians are zionist I don't, I don't, I think that's a misnomer or oxymoron to say anti-Zionist Christian. Anti-Zionist Christian. Yeah. That you are? You could have a Christian that's against the modern state of Israel, but yeah. they're not anti-Zionist because Zionist is just like the belief in Zion. Like I found a verse last night. Right. You'll probably like this one. It's uh, that Zion will be vindicated. Yeah. Where is it? I don't know. It sounds like it's okay, all over the place. It. I just posted it on Twitter. But yeah, so I criticize Judaism. I get called anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Semitic. I don't blame all Jewish people. I don't say all Jewish people are evil or are part of a conspiracy. And you also, I'm actually, and you, also you know, go deep into Christianity, too. You're, real, uh, you're a real theological skeptic. I'm a, I'm a Abrahamism is the most popular religion that's dominated the world the last 2,000 years. Hey, I was raised Christian. You, you guys are killing it. And... Uh, so I was raised Christian also. So uh, that's also what's inspired me to mm. be like, be a critic of it, you know, because I was yeah. I was Christian. And yeah, so I get called. So it also it, I, I'm like a crazy world. I'm one of the biggest I'm one of the biggest, quote unquote, anti-Semites online, but I'm not actually anti-Semitic. I'm just a critic of Judaism. And so I get called anti-Semitic and a Nazi from one side. And then because I'm critical of Christianity, the Christians call me Jewish. So I yeah. get called both from each side. Yeah. And you don't it's... look anything like a Jew, by the way. Which is so surprising. Like how tall are you? You're like six foot five at least. I'm I'm six foot four. I've been was called like albino my whole life. Bl the blondest hair still as an adult, almost forty. Blue eyes. I, I played college a, basketball. You're straight out of a Nordic saga. What do you what are they calling you a Jew about? We don't got there Jews are so many like conspiracies online that I'm a secret Mossad agent Jew that secretly works for Alex Jones, too. They'll be saying that also, even though I'm one of the biggest and best critics of Alex Jones and Kabbalah. You can search Kabbalah any terms on BitChute since my, my YouTube channel was banned right before the election. I had one hundred and thirty five thousand subscribers and I was banned there. Facebook, PayPal, Squarespace stopantisemitism.org called for me to be banned from my website and they banned my website with squarespace um coinbase wow my crypto one you got banned from over. coinbase yeah wow what a weak company i'm glad though because they suck they, they've been yeah trending totally. for all types of scandals yeah are you into the crypto 
Uh, I've never bought it myself. I've had some donated to me, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a avoidable topic. But uh, you mentioned Coinbase. So, yeah. um, so, so it's uh, been great. Hold on. It's, it's been great talking to you. You I think you called yourself a super Jew. You love your Jewish identity. You love your ancestors. You love your traditions. You love Kabbalah. And I've been researching. I literally like watch rabbi videos for a living. I've got more <laughs> epic rabbi mixes up on my channel exposing yeah. uh, what rabbis believe. I've read so many Some books rabbis. on Kabbalah by the top scholars, top rabbis and stuff. You know, and, I got to uh, tell you something about top scholars and top rabbis. The Israelis, they do this all the time. They're like, big, big rabbi. I know big, big rabbi. He's a big, top, top rabbi. You know, everybody calls themselves like the top rabbi, the big rabbi. Yeah. You know, everybody the thinks their is, rabbi is the best. <laughs> the truth is, is the ones who really possess the knowledge are very quiet about it. You know, they really like they they yeah. it's, it's within. It's like, you know, they they uh, the path of least resistance is to not be noticed for it. So we, we do. Heard, we have, heard, there's a lot of rabbis. There's ten, probably tens of thousands of rabbis in the world, you know, so mm -hmm. to simplify and say that this rabbi speaks on behalf of all rabbis. They can't even agree to pray in the same place. The, the rabbis are like the most divided class of people. Like they literally only talk to each other at weddings and bar mitzvahs. Well, it's true. There's always factions and, and competition and everything in life. It, that's an interesting uh, concept, though, the idea that some of the most the rab top rabbis that have like, you know, the most Kabbalah secrets that like they're not on YouTube talking about the, their deepest nah. secrets. Nah, yeah. dude, but I'm there is a lot. Too. I'm the shill for those people. <laughs> I, I think I, I've bragged about this. I think I've got more rabbi clips and more views than anybody in the history of mankind. Well, I know about online. your rabbi clips. They're like these Sephardic guys who like go out and they like make these like really fiery clips. Like, you know, it's Ashkenazi too. It's it's all different. It's it's, it's ultra orthodox, orthodox, conservative mostly. Maybe if it's like a LGBTQ clip, it'll be a reform rabbi. I put together some it. LGBTQ clips of the church for us to laugh at later. I invite you to rise in body or spirit and let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. I believe in the church of everyday saints as numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the ace quilt, whose feet are grounded in mud and whose eyes gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. This is an interesting thought. You know how the church, some, a lot of the churches are adopting the rainbow flag, right? Because yeah. of their pro LGBTQ and they're very progressive. Mm -hmm. But now the other Christians are like, we're going to take back the rainbow. That's our symbol, right? And that's the Noahide rainbow flag, like entering the churches. I've been predicting yeah. this for years that we would see this. It's 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 really honestly, it's the most embarrassing thing that you see, because really in, in Noah, what is the rainbow stand for? But 
the fact that God Covenant promises he's not going to the world, yeah. not going to destroy the world through water again, through flood, specifically yeah. through flood. He could destroy. So the what world will it be? Ways. Plagues and wars. What? What's? He's not going to the... drown everybody, but it could be a, a variety of ways. You know, like there's indignation on this planet, man. This planet is horrible. I mean, just look at the child. Uh, it, it's like human, child, pedophilia, and sacrifice. Like that is the place that, like, you could ask every single human, "Do you agree that this should be stopped?" And if you say yes, you're on this side of the fence. If you say no, you're on that side of the fence. It's like really simple terms right now. That's where we're at as a collective humanity. We start there, and then we work our way back with every issue. But like that's where we're it's at. It's like as a Edom humanity. is becoming Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. What you is? See that? It's like Edom is becoming Sodom and Gomorrah, and almost like Christians are like, "Oh, it's so bad. Like you know, we need God to save us. Like we need to be destroyed." It's almost like the birth pangs of the Moshiach. We're seeing like Matthew twenty four. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, famines, earthquakes, plagues. These are the birth pains. And um, is that what you see as well? Like, do you, do you think we're in the end times? We hear so many people talk about that. Do you think that the end times are, are near? Yeah, actually, like, I don't really see them as the end times. I see them as the beginning times. I see it as the end of exile and the beginning of something much greater for myself and for the Jewish people. Like, this has been like... So, well, how has exile not ended? Because the state of Israel is created it in hasn't 1948. It has ended. We're still in exile. Galut Edom, which means you're in the exile of Rome, which yeah. Rome trans, uh, transitioned Look at how much the... Israel is, like, really a cuck to America and the West. I mean, Israel doesn't. Dude, I, it's the other way thing. around. I know man. you said you this kidding? on the show. You were like, on your on your expose of me, you were like, he believes that the Nazis are really in control of everything. I really do. You know, we were talking about this. That's in the, the narrative. That's the narrative everybody's promoting. Nobody even knows it. Nobody's even talking about it. And when I speak to other Jews about it, they're like flabbergasted that I would even suggest that there are Nazi agents working for the Jewish Israeli government. And they're stifling the growth of the Jews. They're all like it's like really deep seated satanic forces, whether they're Nazi or there definitely are Nazi elements in Israel, without a doubt. They're all connected to Pfizer and the World Economic Forum. And Yuval Harari is even Israeli. I mean, he's like a, the Nazi cuck bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like his whole thing is, you know, selling out humanity and, you know, the gay cult agenda. Do so just just a few hold on let me let me respond to that because obviously i strongly disagree with all that we're definitely cucks to israel our politician uh governor of iowa americans evangelical christian america basically uh the governor of iowa like to show faith that they're like in with israel it's like a there's it's like they do this but it's really not like cucking it's like you know it's so all these people go to Israel and they cuck and they're like, oh, we love Israel and we were going to pray at the Western Wall. And, you know, I pray for my grandmother at the Western Wall, some stupid thing, like whatever it is. That, it's not stupid. It's a prayer. It's whatever it is. But they come and it's this gesture that they make to the Jewish people in like in like this grand support of like Israeli Zionism. I would like to separate the concept of Zionism from Israeli Zionism because Zionism is really an ancient thing. It's something that everybody wants. Zion means justice for all of humanity, liberation to all of humanity, the end of suffering, no more 
child pedophilia, no more crime, no more, e no more evil. Evil doesn't exist in Zion. There's no more thievery. There's no more cheating. There's no more lying. You know, there's no more deceit and, and theft and, and evil, like the evil that's perpetuated our society. You know, so Zion is really a good thing. Like the biblical tenant of Zion, the concept of Zion, when they were all sitting around, however they were is seeing it, these revelations, and they Gentiles? were like, Zion. Like when they envisioned Zion, they were seeing utopia. They were seeing like peace on earth. They were seeing like all the advances of all of technology being able to be accessed by every common person on the planet. That's Zion. You know, well, for Israeli Christians, Zion Christians is, is like, for Zion. What's that? Okay, go ahead. Go go ahead. Finish. I want to hear the difference between Israeli Zionism. And, so and Israeli Zionism is really like, 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 it's like this, like, cry and plea to Jewish people that they sell all their possessions and move to an overtaxed state where they'll never make ends meet and they'll live paycheck to paycheck while constantly being bombarded by violence and hate and the world's oppression and the government is see israeli zionism is fake zionism like the government of israel they prohibit jews from being jews in our own land we're not allowed to go to the temple mount we're only allowed to go to abraham's tomb on twice two inside they're storming the, tomb. They're storming the temple mount all the time though i wish it would be every day it's our place where jews truly belong it, it's it's absurdity you, that it's absurdity to, to think it's an absurdity to think that the Jews supposedly control Israel, and yet we're not allowed to pray in our holiest site because the Muslims are busy praying in their third holiest site. It, like, come on, we're gonna live what in that's the Abraham Accords. Like, give me a break. What, what do you want to see happen to the dome, or what do you think is gonna happen to the dome of the rock? They don't even care about it. They play soccer up there. Like, literally, they play soccer up there. They it's a beautiful building. Can you admit it's beautiful? And it, it shouldn't. A, it, it shouldn't. It, it well, it is a beautiful. It, it honestly, I don't really see it as a beautiful building. No, I see it as a sign of domination. I see it as like a. That's what the temple is too, though. Yeah, but it's our the, side. The law comes forth from from. They Jerusalem, don't. First of all, the dome is not even a mosque. It's a shrine because they Al-Aqsa don't have there. it inside That's, of yeah. Al-Aqsa mosque is like south of the dome. We don't even want their mosque. They could keep their third holiest mosque. The shrine is ours. That's just they could keep their mosque childish there. to me. The like thing is, is, this is, is a holy land and you have to put the temple there. It has to go right there. And they're like, no, we, our things here. It's like, look at how this Abrahamic religions, the, the fight between Isaac and Ishmael is just like causing all this unnecessary So let's go into division. that actually. That's a great mm -hmm. topic. I have a question for you. Okay. In the in the in the Torah it says that Abraham, I'll use English words for the show. Abraham takes Isaac to the altar. But in the Quran, they have an entire holiday called Eid Mubarak where they say that Abraham takes Ishmael to the altar. Now, you are a tremendous scholar. Whoever was on that altar inherits Abraham. You know that. This is a huge fundamental thing. So how do you rectify that? Um, I, I haven't researched that particular issue extremely closely because I just I find Islam to be so coincidental that they became the religion of Ishmael 
and they're also Abrahamic, and the rabbis have viewed them as Noahide compliant for so long. But um, I feel like they say it's that it was actually Ishmael because it said firstborn son. And but uh, but I I would have to check. Does the Torah actually say that it's Isaac, and it or does it say For firstborn? What? No, the Torah says that it was Binding Isaac. Of Isaac. Isaac. He was thirty-seven years old when he went to the altar. So and the Muslims the, claim and here's another funny thing. It, like if you go to all the Christian art, like all the mm-hmm. Christian art that's portraying Abraham taking Isaac to the altar, they're like portraying Abraham taking like a newborn baby. Isaac was thirty-seven years old. He did this himself. He asked his father to strap him tighter to the board. That's the archetype that they followed for Jesus, too, that he was willing to go do it to be sacrificed. Um, But this whole idea, the fight between this is important because this is like the dualism in Kabbalah, the light and the dark. So you have the the theme of the evil firstborn son, right? There's Cain killed Abel. And then there's, there's Ishmael and his conflict with Isaac. And then there's Jacob and Esau. This idea of like chosen with the birthright and unchosen. This that's that's the conflict in this division that is just completely unnecessary it's evil when the christians call jews that they worship the devil and they're the synagogue of satan and it's just as evil when kabbalah rabbis say that you're esau and reincarnated from cain and polluted with the serpent and your souls emanate from the evil citra atra the the atra the other side and the three uh spheres i noticed i'm on the left too is that because i'm from the uh the evil left side no, that's Just because when I look at my screen, it looks like I'm looking at you. So it's like it does. I yeah. can like watch the screen yep. at the same time. And it's like, yo, what up, my boy? Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, we got the eye contact going. I know. Correctly. I, I see right you, man. I see you right now. <laughs> you know, but really, I'm looking away. See what I'm saying, though? Think of put yourselves. No, in, I in agree the with everything. Not, I agree with everything you're saying, except for one thing. One fundamental component about what you said I don't agree with mm-hmm. is that it's Jews versus it's the chosen versus the unchosen. Like, Mm -hmm. you're the only one creating those terms. I definitely believe that I was chosen for something, and I definitely believe that other people were also chosen for other things as well. Great things. I just don't think And what did they say Esau was created for? The elder shall serve the younger. Esau was supposed to be the Messiah. That's what Esau was supposed to be created for. He was supposed to be the Messiah. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to sit on the throne and rule humanity. That's what he was created for. But he failed miserably. You know, he like absolutely failed. He, he, he had the potential inside of him to truly become great and to truly acquire something that nobody ever acquired before. I mean, for crying out loud, he kills Nimrod, the, the evil, the most evil ruler in the world. But he doesn't kill him to become to, to bring about righteousness like King David. You know, he kills him. Because he wants to be the most evil, badass ruler in creation that everybody fears. You know, and, and throughout the entire Torah, there's like these scenes where Asaph just like debases himself into pure evil. I mean, just like the two wives that he takes, Yehudi Bat uh, Barry and, um, and uh, the other one, he's like having orgies all over the place. I mean, he's showing up to Shabbat dinner at his parents' house with a chick on each arm. Here, I'll show you. He's got like a it chick says that on he each was... arm like this. What up, parents? Kissing on his wives, doing his thing, making out with each of them at the table. That's why Rebecca was like, this makes me sick. He's, these women are going to inherit me. These orgy queens are going to inherit me. This is what she was thinking. Because like Asaph had like that audaciousness. 
But Isaac knew, Isaac loved him because he saw the potential that he created. He saw because he knew the light of the Messiah was in there. And then the light of the Messiah goes to, to Jacob because Jacob takes all the women to marry, both um, Rachel and Leah. Asaph is like cut off from the bloodline. And this is like a huge inheritance. At the time, it was a massive inheritance. Isaac inherited from Abraham, and Abraham inherited from Terah, which was like literally all the religion, like he breaks all of Terah's statues. It was, he was the most, one of the most wealthy people on, on earth at the time. I mean, we're talking about like massively, massively powerful people like doing things whose wealth by comparison to others wouldn't even like scratch the surface of Elon Musk. Like we were way more wealthy than Elon Musk would be compared to us down here in the ghetto. You know what I'm saying? Like the Jew of the ancient world, Avram, Isaac, and Jacob. And so they looked at Asaph, and, and Isaac looked at him with the love that a father has for a son. And Rivka, Rebecca, looks at him like, no, this will not save the planet. This is not what's going to create humanity. Because she grew up with Lavan. I think they call him Laban or something. And she, that was her brother, and she know, she grew up knowing the evil that's out there, and she wanted to do good. You know, she's, and so these are like fundamental archetype stories. And that's why Asaph was created. He was created to be the Messiah. He just, there's been many failed Messiahs. He was just un, like the original It sounds so much Messiah. like Jesus. It sounds so much like the Jesus character. And, well, here's the thing. It, I don't even really think that Jesus was like, okay, there's a difference of a failed Messiah versus a a person who doesn't even qualify to be a failed messiah now does jesus does he become a f actual failed messiah in the eyes of judaism or does he even i don't even really think that jesus to who's being portrayed to the world is really the real jesus i know you and i have gotten into these real debates and you think that jesus doesn't exist and i think that jesus did exist i just don't think that they're letting that that he's the most he's very censored you know the christians they don't teach the Nag Hammadi Library. They don't teach the Apocrypha. They don't teach any other books. They don't even really teach about James, the brother of Jesus. You know, it's like these are things that are like extremely discouraged. Like if any Christian asks their preacher about them, their preacher will discourage them from looking any further. They do not want Christians to go down these paths. And let me just tell you right now, the Apocrypha is trash. It's complete trash. Well, I think it's good for historical reading. And it's good for nothing. It is the most worthless literature ever written in the history of mankind. Okay? So don't even think for one second that the Apocrypha is somehow valuable so, or important. Well, they believe Jesus has to return to fulfill the rest of the prophecies that have been historically uh, attributed to Moshiach ben David. He fulfilled the, he didn't fulfill. They wrote a fake fan fiction story, a prophecy fulfilling deception. That's what Paul and the New Testament is, in my opinion. And they wrote this to fulfill these prophecies, but only the ones of Moshiach ben Joseph. Jesus is the archetype of Joseph in Genesis, who was rejected by his brothers. He was a shepherd, like Jesus, rejected by his brothers, rose up to power when he was 30, just like Jesus in, in Egypt, after he was rejected by his brother Judas, Judah, sorry, which is Judas, the same thing in the New Testament. And 
rejected by his brothers, and he goes and rules over in Egypt. And that's the archetype of what Jesus was meant to accomplish. This is, this is what I believe, that Jesus is a mythical deception to, make the Noah, the, to prepare the world for the Messianic age. It was always the, 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 the objective of the Mashiach in the Torah or the Tanakh to, that the Gentiles would put their hope in him, that he will hold up a banner for the nations, that he would bring judgment and obedience to the nations. And in that sense, Jesus is a failed Messiah in the fact that he didn't bring peace to the world, but he's a successful Messiah in the fact that he got the nations to worship the God of Israel. Would you so, agree? I know the Rambam goes into this heavily, and this is mm -hmm. an opinion held by the Rambam, that mm -hmm. the purpose of Jesus was to expose the world by the edge of the sword to the God of Israel. I personally don't hold to this. I don't believe in this. Because I think that the religions are two completely fundamentally different things. And the faith and the God is very different. For instance, Jesus as a man is not the God of Israel. It's not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not the God that spoke to Moses. But Christians believe that God as a man is Jesus. And that it was Jesus who spoke to Moses. And it was Jesus who spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, like that to me is when you say fanfare fiction, that's where I, I start to 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 um to agree with you. I think that like when it wh like there's a concept called being a light unto the nations. And when the Torah talks about us being a light unto the nations, we uh we are not allowed to convert. We're not allowed to proselytize, we're not allowed to convert. We're just allowed to be ourselves. The very the laws are very extreme. We could we do allow for not every Jewish sect even acknowledges conversion. There's entire ethnic groups in Judaism who don't even allow for conversion. They'll never give an aliyah to to a convert in their synagogue. They just don't believe in it. They believe that Judaism is a racial construct, which it is, and that people can't come in. Abraham converts 318 people in his lifetime. So we clearly have a, a concept of conversion in the Torah. Um, you know, and Moses even, you know, it's the, the heir of Rav converted at this moment. You know, we could make these claims, but then we could talk about that later on in, the, in this chapter. But, but, well, so, on the proselytizing thing, I disagree, okay? I know you guys don't want any, but any Gentile converts to Judaism because you guys are the holy seed and the descendants of Jacob that must be kept separate and dwell alone, as it says in the Torah. But well, you it's do like proselytize. Kind of like a, it's, we see it also in certain circles. Like, for instance, certain circles see it as a profundity. Like, who was that woman who like con was fake black and she like got hired by the NAACP? Do you remember who I'm Dolezal. talking about? Yeah, Rachel Dolezal. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> like, we also feel that way. Like, it's okay for black people to get offended when a white person pretends to be a black person. But, like, if somebody... There's people who pretend to be converts to Judaism all the time. You know what I'm saying? So, like, we do have a racial identity, and we're allowed to have a racial identity. We don't have to advocate our racial identity because we have a spiritual identity as well that's published in the book. So... I want to but say that I, I disagree, though. I, I, I disagree with this, how, how rabbis will so often say that they don't proselytize because the whole objective of the Torah in Yahweh is to get the nations to abandon their pagan idol worship and worship the God of Israel. 
Saul the Pharisee or Paul was proselytizing to the to the uh, Romans and the Greeks and the nations when he was getting them to worship the Moshiach, the Hebrew Torah Moshiach. And as the nation of priests, it is your mission to convert the nations to worship the God of Israel. And like Maimonides says, the top rabbi, that 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 was accomplished through Jesus in Christianity and Islam. So personally, I don't subscribe to that belief at all. I think that that is um, kind of like in the way of the real story of Jesus and what Jesus is and what he's doing. And, uh, and like, for instance, like the Rambam doesn't write about the Nag Hammadi library or the Apocrypha or any of these fake stories or any of these stories that kind of like, they're not fake stories. They're, they're stories that kind of prove that Christianity is, is somewhat of a hoax that it doesn't even allow for, you know, all their, their own books to be included into their dogma. Um, but when, when it, when we speak about proselytization, we are allowed to proselytize to the nation, the seven laws of Noah, the, we are allowed to do that. Um, what we, what we aren't allowed to do is preach conversion to people that we can't do. Right. There was a problem that you, you need nations worship uh, the God of Israel but not have them convert to Judaism. So that's why another religion was created. And it's almost like it's the antithesis to Judaism. It's the, uh, the religion of the other side. It's the religion of evil twin Esau. And You're yes, saying it's that the seven at, laws of Noah, that's such a horrible canonization. No, 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 Christianity. In, in Christianity, the most common consensus view is that Christianity, because of the Trinity, believing that God is a man, that is a, a totally... A, antithetical to what the torah says so that makes it idolatrous and that's the big problem with christianity and and they are doing like a you know modern academics there's almost like a historical revision of jesus happening where he's being more judaized most of the scholars say like he was a he was a rabbi with a small following that was killed by the romans so it's almost like and there's a lot of people promoting the idea that the romans created christianity too as a psyop against the uh rebellious um messianic jews at the time and and i don't believe that i think it's 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 very clear that the moshiach was meant to be they saw in the prophecies like paul wrote half of the new testament and he never even met jesus all of his epistles come before the gospels and he says that he saw jesus in the scriptures he basically had like a his influence probably by these essene damascus documents and these things that we're finding at qumran because there's a lot of the same vocabulary and motifs and pesher type of logic connecting verses in fact um it's so funny when i talked to you the other day we were both reading the same book at the same time which is james the brother of jesus by robert eisenman he's like the top it out i brought it as a prop everybody should read this yeah oh that is big i have it on audiobook but that's a that's a thick book there but I, I, I read his other book. I got it from the library. And he's like the, the world expert scholar that first uh, translated and published all of these Qumran Dead Sea Scrolls. And they totally reveal, in my opinion, that Christianity evolved from this type of like memes that were going on there. And from what it, you say, memes? A, memes, yeah, like different memes about like what the Messiah was going to be. So Paul never met Jesus, but he said very clearly that he learned of him not from any man but from in the scriptures so he was reading connecting 
prophecies, taking them out of context. Uh, the question a lot of time. is, is what scripture was he reading? Uh, the Septuagint, a lot of them, and probably some of these Essene documents he was that's familiar what i'm with. saying that's and then it's like if that's the case it's that's what is so strange that like matthew mark luke and john are so canonized it's like only do this don't do anything but this like christians are really obsessed with like the canonization and like paul if paul didn't even know jesus but like had his revelation through the texts like wouldn't christians want to know what paul was reading like wouldn't that be like if he's such a like a glorious figure in Christianity, like wouldn't they want to know what he was reading? And then, and that's really the truth. Like, I mean, like one generation, he must have been reading like tons of like the entire apocrypha he probably went through. Well, one of the big ones that is not included, well, it is included in the Catholic canon, but is the wisdom of Solomon. There's a lot of verses that they took that inspired the Jesus story from that. And most Christians don't even acknowledge it, but for sure they were all reading it, kind of like the book of Enoch back then too. Right. But Paul was definitely writing from Isaiah. That that's for sure cuz he cites Isaiah all the time. One of the one of the big verses Romans 15, he says that uh Jesus is the root of Jesse, so the Davidic branch, uh yeah. the rod also well, that's, and that he that he, plays he will Jewish, reign over the Gentiles. That's that what it says. That plays on that, Jewish narrative David ben Ishai. Cuz David is the is the son of Ishai, Jesse, who is yes. the Messiah, the Messiah, the King Messiah. And so it's like we say, you know, David ben Ishai Meshichecha, David the son of Jesse the Messiah. You know, so like they they play on it. It's like it's really a replacement theology. It's it's actually quite offensive. And especially when Christians come to me and they want to try to convert me, it's extremely offensive. It's like you think after thousands of years of oppression, like you're the one, like you couldn't get any one of my ancestors, but you're the one. And like you don't even like the the Christians today, they don't even they, they don't even know Hebrew. They don't even know Latin. And they come at me and they want to convert me. And, you know, it's I, I, I respect Christianity. I don't respect Christianity. I respect Christians as people. And I respect the figure of Jesus that he was important in a lot of their lives. I don't respect proselytization. Do you respect I don't, who you believe the real historical Jesus was? Do they believe? Do, are you saying do they respect do, who I believe? He yeah, because th this is a big topic that I talk about. Like, you know, the Christians say, oh, the Jews hate Jesus so much. And I'm arguing like, well, they do kind of hate him in a way, but they also kind of think that he served a really uh, important purpose in another way. Um, I put the clip up on Twitter. Jones the other day with Gavin McGinnis said the Orthodox Jews say they like Jesus now and they just want to be friends and, and all come un together under God. So well, we missed the clip, the clip earlier. So I'm going to use that yeah. as a cue to a next clip. I had this great clip about, uh, you know, uh, President uh, Yawari Museveni of Uganda casting off, off the yoke of gay Obama. And we missed that earlier for our conversation. I'm going to play this Gavin McGinnis clip since you brought it up. Say you're a Zionist. There's lots of definitions of that. People have different. I mean, you just believe Israel has a right to exist. Yeah, and I just I love Judaism, and and I I love I love Orthodox Jews. I even like Hasidic Jews. I'm impressed that they can maintain their culture when surrounded with Disney and porn. So, and, so you're not jealous of success? Absolutely not. Like the thing about Jews is they're whites, and they're exceptional whites. So when they do bad, they do exceptional bad. When they do good, they do exceptional good. Are you offended that he says Jews are white? Because I know some Jews take take offense to that. I was gonna say the only thing that he was that he got wrong is that Jews are whites. I mean that, but 
I don't like this whole whites versus blacks thing. It's so dogmatic and like God created so many more species. If God wanted if God wanted there to be so few races, he would have just made like two species of birds. But there's like thousands of species of birds. But there's like only two types of humans, blacks and whites. You know, it's like it's this is kind of like what, mind what, control stuff, you know. I, I agree with you a little bit with the the, the terms there. Um but what Jones says there, this is what he's always said for years, that you're just jealous of their success. That you, This is like literally what I've seen so many rabbis say, that we're just jealous because you're chosen and you guys are have more success than we do. And it's almost it goes back to the theme of Esau being jealous. Esau hates Jacob, as the, all the sages say, and that that we hate you because we're jealous that you're chosen. Mm. And he He's really playing into that. And and my criticisms of Judaism have nothing to do with being jealous at all. I'm not jealous. So I have no, actually, I have no desire way, to be chosen. The act, the only way we really rectify a lot of what you're saying is through the Kabbalah. Like on, on such a simplistic level of the text, like you really get into these theological differences and, 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 and things come up and people get offended. Really, the Kabbalah is really... Um, really important to understand the Kabbalah behind these things. And that's why the Kabbalah is so important. The Kabbalah really is the main thing. You know, a lot of people, like I've seen some of your interviews with people who aren't Kabbalists, who are rabbis, they like discourage the Kabbalah, like that like esoteric Judaism is like a subsidiary of Judaism. No, mainstream Judaism is, is a subsidiary of Kabbalah. Kabbalah is the real thing. It's like the, the essence of what it was from a Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so Habad Lubavitch is follows Lurianic Kabbalah and, you know, Revere are and they're one of the most influential uh, religious uh, Jewish groups there is. Yeah. And also like uh, uh, they're they're out there. They do like their thing. That's like one branch of Judaism. There's so many different branches of Judaism. They're actually Hasidic Jews. I wouldn't say that they're Lurianic, to be honest with you. You're not Hasidic. What, what are you conservative? No, Orthodox. Truth is, is I have Has I'm Hasidic, but like you I'm are. really just a, I just don't even go by titles. I'm, I'm trans. <laughs> I'm tr I had payas actually. You did. I had payas and a long beard at one point in my life. Yeah, but like I call I consider myself like 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 post denominational. Like I just when people ask me, I just tell them I'm, I'm a Kubal. I'm just a Kabbalist, you know. And that quickly separates, like, who wants to talk to me and who doesn't. Like, I don't have time to waste for people who aren't going to respect my unique and uh, uh, my my unique position on the Torah, you know. And, and and I and I don't like the denominations in Judaism because, like, like you said, like you said, Chabad is Lurianic. They're not Lurianic, actually. They so, call this, they say that they are. Well, they pray for their. They call their sitter the Ari sitter which is really from the Arizal, but they're not f like Lurianic. They are from Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi. They take Lurianic teachings and then adapt them into their own unique, um, mm. it's called a hashkafa, a way of life. So they have like their own way of life. And in the Hasidic world, there's like 500 hashkafot. Really, there's like 500 Hasidic groups and they all are very unique. Chabad, Lubavitch, they're just the most popular. They're very, very mm. popular. And they have a lot Some of are, are anti-Israel too, right? They think that the Messiah needed really. to come first. Not, not, not really, really, not anymore. They're, some of the sects are, like the Satmars are pretty anti-Israel. Mm -hmm. 
They think that the Messiah is the one who who rebuilds the state of Israel, which which, to be honest with you, the more and more I've been thinking about it, the more it's starting to make sense to me, because like these Jews, they came back to Israel and they've done like really horrible things, like they they've like completely stifled our growth, and I don't want to blame them. A lot, of, first of all, a lot of these Israelis were literally going from death camps trying to find a place to go. Israel was really founded on the ashes of the death camps. And in 1948, Israel fights, after three years of just amalgamating Jews in the Holy Land, fights the British colonial power for independence. It's like an anti-colonial power. You know, like it, it's, it follows in line all revolutions that had to cast off the yoke of, of England to maintain their sovereignty. It's really a cool story, the birth of Israel. But there's always, but they were broke. Ironic because nothing. it was also the Balfour Declaration, declaration to the Rothschilds that kind of you guys use as right. Your... You know these, you know these fake Rothschilds, these fake, these fake Jew Rothschilds, were offered to purchase fake. all the land of Israel by Balfour, and they turned it down. Like. <laughs> My understanding, I read from the Temple Are you Institute kidding me? If ago, I could own every piece of land in Israel, I'd, that would be incredible. The, the, there were, there were Zionist rabbis that were sending letters to the Rothschilds asking them to buy up the Temple Mount from uh, the leader of the Ottomans at that time. And, they, and, and I he heard that he said anything. no. Yeah. I heard that they wouldn't let him. Who, the Ottomans? Yeah, they wouldn't sell it. I'm sure they wouldn't. Islam doesn't like to give up an inch that they take. And a lot of the inches that they've taken in Judaism are the graves of the prophets of Israel, and they've turned them into mosques in a lot of these Palestinian territories, and they forbid Jews from going to these places, even though we're the only ones descended from these people. There are so many cemeteries that Arabs do not let Jews go to, and the only people buried in the cemetery are Jews. And that's what boggles my mind about like how people can... like. Like the debate, like, is it Israel? Is it Palestine? Whose land does he belong to? I have a very simple solution. Just count graves. Whoever has the most graves, get the land. Go. I think that's a better argument than the Bible says so. Yeah, I do too. And and like the numbers are going to be like astounding. Like there's going to be like tens of millions more Jews than any other person in that land. When you amount all the history. So all these people, they're like, no, it's Palestine. And then all these people, no, it's Israel. And it's like they want to like say, well, the Balfour and they want to argue. They get into this British psyop about, no, we want it fair and square. And no, 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 no. We were exiles and blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like arguing this stupid, dumb shit. It really is dumb shit. Just count the do, graves. Do, do you want to see Israel with the biblical borders from river to river? Dude, that would be sick. <laughs> That would be awesome. Well, I, I, at least, at least you're honest about that. Let, let me ask you. But okay, I don't. So in, I don't see video, it like like the biblical borders. You mean like from the Nile to the Euphrates type thing? Yeah, yeah. Bro, that would be a completely different world. In the multiverse, there's that that universe exists, but like maybe with the Abraham Accords, that that'll be worked out one day. Or, or it who doesn't knows, mean that, it doesn't mean that the Jews have control over the Arab lands. It just means that the Jews have access to the Euphrates River by in Syria by Aleppo. It's not what you think it is, that it's like the entirety of the thing, which would be sick if I if there was that 
type of a nation that existed. But like Jews were so fragmented and, and fractalized. We can't even conceive that. We just right now we have to be able to get out of apartment buildings. Like if you go to Israel, it's just like endless and endless apartment buildings, rows of apartment. But like very few people live in houses because that's what they did. They a bunch of poor people were coming and they just built these apartments. They didn't. They, they've always stifled Jewish progress. They turned the most glorious, beautiful city in the world, Jerusalem, and they turned it into a, you know, regular city with the old city. They don't glorify the old city the way that they that they should. Your problem with Israeli leadership is they're not like pro-Jewish enough. Exactly. They don't. They want to just be like the peacekeepers for everyone. You know, like that, like Jew who's always trying to justify something in the Torah to you. Like you, you've done it a lot. You call out Jews and they're like, no, well, what it means. I I forget this guy. I shared the the video with you. He was doing it. I forget his name. He had a podcast. He was a secular I knew more about Judaism than, than he did. but Yeah, without a doubt. I thought it was so pathetic like to even go into a debate with someone like you. It's like, come on, why are you doing that to all the Jewish people? Like, why, What are you setting us up for for later failure? Like, come on, like, get off of it. So well, he does Duvid, this interview. Duvid's a Jewish guy who I've talked to a bunch of times. Well, and, they're Jewish. Uh, he, like Jainos. He, he, like he has a similar uh, sentiment to you, though. He's just like, yeah, that's what it says, and we're going to win, and... And and that's true. No, and it's, it's awesome. not just about he what kinda, it says that we're going to win. It. It's you have to take this back. You see, you're seeing it all in like this mindset of like win or lose, like a Game of Thrones competition. That's not what it is to me. And, and you asked me about like the land, the other lands, like, and I was like, that'd be sick because it would be sick. But it, but like, what I want is just the land that we have now and all of it including all the land that the Palestinians so live the, on. I believe that. There, I really do. A, I believe on. that the, all the land that the Palestinians live on is mm-hmm. Jewish land, and they should be given a settlement, and they should be, you know, deported. There's the, the, and the settlement should be significant. They should have their land bought, and it should be auctioned off, and, you know, they should make money, and, and they should leave. They've... they've I'll give you like one example about Palestine. If they've been there for hundreds of years, why should they leave? They haven't been there for hundreds of years, first of all. Sure these are have. like they've the silly debates that people play. I, like, I, I don't want to, you know, we only have about an hour of time. I, I don't want to get into the Palestinian Israel thing because there's other topics yeah, I'd much I don't rather. Too. I, I, I like, but, I, I get so sick of that debate. It like is so drowning and nauseating. And it's like, I really well, also, don't care. Also, a lot of, a lot of people are having that debate, whereas we could t- be talking about, you know other things that people aren't talking about I, and by I the way you, you got to come on my show and and talk like exclusively kabbalah i'll, I'll pull up all the verses that i show yeah, in my videos where i'm criticizing and we can hammer those out of, i brought all sorts of show and tell books to you to show you that i, I don't think you'd ever see anywhere for our, uh, our little thing i want to give a plug to our book that we translated 138 gates of wisdom by the ram call rabbi moshe chaim Lozato. you can find this on amazon um this is a really cool translation. It's all in English. Really well done. We we did Anything this ourselves. Edom in there? What's it called? Anything about Edom in there? Uh, this book is mostly about like how reality is structured and what reality is and like how light was turned into physical matter, stuff like that. I mm-hmm. haven't gotten there. I haven't. But, the the uh, reason that I w- that I was saying like winners and losers earlier is because it says in the Talmud about how for 
that both nations can't coexist, uh, Jerusalem and Rome, and that in order for Jacob to rise up in Israel, that Rome has to be has to go down, and Edom has to be destroyed before the Messianic age can happen. Well, and, let me ask and you, you know, a lot of rabbis view Edom as like Christendom and Western civilization. So uh, I consider that. A, let me ask you a question, yeah. Adam. When the Catholic Church is forced to give the Jewish people all of our books and all of our possessions back, mm -hmm. what do you think the value of their message will be and their worth in the world? I It'll mean, be I nothing. Guess that would depend on what's in the books. Do you think Christianity will be? Do you think Catholicism, the institution of the Vatican, will survive? if it's required to give back all of the possessions of the Jews and all the rest of the world that the Roman conquerors took and hoarded at the Vatican? Will it survive without the assets? I don't think so. I don't think that the theology is enough to stand on or the buildings themselves alone. Yeah, but it's it's that's one interpretation that it's the Vatican is Edom, but like Chabad's own website says that it's Western civilization. I, and I've seen many rabbis online saying that it, it equals the descendants of Esau need to be destroyed. And that is Europeans, essentially. One of the things the ancestors that I love of about Rome. America so much mm -hmm. is that it's not anybody's. It's like a, it's like a collective of everybody's. It's like a whole like project of like what could happen if we all just if we take all of the every race and ethnicity and religion and creed and orientation and just like make them live together what what would happen to them and so now we're in like year 248 or something like that of this project and like we're it'll be like the tower of babel it'll be diversity it multiculturalism but disaster. i don't think I don't like the conception that Western civilization is America because I don't really think that America fully embodies Western ideals sometimes. There's a lot of Western ideals, but there's also other ideals too. I mean, like, look at how many pyramids you see everywhere. I mean, like, it's very Egyptian too. Like, America has, like, very, like, it, the Egyptian energy is, like, think about, like, Egyptian, the Egyptian energy from the Bible. It was, like, slavery. It was, like, the rat race. It's, like, you barely make ends meet just to put food on your table so that you could go out and do it again until you're, until literally you collapse from exhaustion and you die. That's, like, the slavery of Egypt, you know? Uh, and, America is the Edom. It is, like, the archetypal Gentile kingdom that is uh, oppressing the Jews, basically. And I also so don't think that America's... Exile, right? Isn't I also don't think that America is also just Edom. Also, it's also the Jewish people are America and like African Americans are not Edom. And, you know, so it's like to say that America is Edom is it, it does an injustice to what America is. First, this whole idea of Edom, though, like, you know, the black Hebrew Israelites, they say that uh, Jews and Europeans are all Esau and Edom and that they're the real chosen people. You know, there's Christian identity people out there that say that the Europeans are the true Israelites yeah. and that we're the Adamic, Adamic people and have the birthright and we're meant to rule. I think it's so, supremacist when they do it. I think it's supremacist when the, the whites do it. And I think it's supremacist to think that you're you're chosen by God for a special role. Like if you weren't Jewish, what would you think about another group of people thinking that they're chosen by God? If I wasn't Jewish, yeah, it would depend on what they say they're chosen for. I have no problem with anybody being chosen. Everybody is chosen. And this whole concept that you have, it's chosen versus not chosen. 
that's where you got it. Like it's like the uh, 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 an, a thought error. Like you need to think outside of that modality. The Jews were chosen, and other people could be chosen too. It's not like these, this group is exclusively chosen to the uh, to the detriment of everybody else. There's a huge mission that the Jews were given that encompassed our chosenness. It's not easy being a Jew and doing what you're supposed to do as a Jew. It's in fact quite difficult. And so it's it, just being a Jew is difficult. Being a Jew in the world, oh my God, dude. Nobody would, most of the people would not last. W like what are Jews chosen for? What were we chosen for? Mm -hmm. We were chosen to bear the Torah and make sure that the Torah arrives at the final generation of mankind. And the Torah is codified free will. It is the source code of free will. And the Kabbalah and everything about it and our whole culture, it's a code of ethics. It's a code of morality. It's, a, it's um, the secrets of God and how to have a relationship with God. You know, Kabbalah is a language on how to have a relationship with God. You know, there's like so much secrets and so much goodness that, and the, and the world is like so afraid to hear it from us. Like Christians throughout the generation have been setting up like debates to try to disprove the Jews and they take the lowest average IQ rabbi and try to debate him with their highest average IQ priest and like disprove all of Judaism. I, I've seen no Christians debating Kabbalah, to be honest. If, well, if that's they, happened, the truth send me is, the is YouTube they, link. They, Christians don't debate Kabbalah. They can't stand up yeah. to Kabbalah. They and think it's like black magic and they're scared. To, they don't want to know what the rabbis even well, believe. Well, they have experiences with have. real Kabbalists in previous generations, like the Baal Shem Tov, who, did, who, who when they debated the Kabbalah, he debated them and performed miracles and, and created situations where Jews were spared massive deaths. There was entire pogroms where the Kabbalah was warded off. The story of the golem in Prague. The golem was created, a, 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 a mythical earth beast was created in Prague only a few hundred years ago to protect the Jewish community. And both the Jewish, both Jewish and non-Jewish sources happened? said that this or happened. Or you think it's allegorical? You think that really happened or it's allegorical? The, no, the, the golem is definitely yeah. real. And the truth is, is like in the Kabbalah, like the way to make a golem is such an intense thing. Like it first and foremost requires 72 hours of pure concentration. If you have one distracting thought, like, oh my God, my rent's due, or oh my God, I'm hungry, or I'm tired, or any distracting thought in this 72 hour period, it doesn't work. So. Somebody who can make a golem has to be on such a massively high level of consciousness that they can control their own thoughts to not allow in distracting thoughts that can even distract what is called kavana or the intention of making the golem. And yeah, the golem is real. The golem is both in Jewish and non-Jewish literature that this actually took place. I believe in the mystical world. I don't think that the world is, is so uh, revealed the way that it is. The real world is hidden. And the revealed world is constantly trying to silence the hidden world. And, and you see it all the time. I mean, now they're talking about UFOs in the public. Like, if so you talk Alex about Jones is, you think Alex Jones is right about the interdimensional uh, clockwork elf 
what do they call and interdimensional vampires the right? gnomes that's, what it, that's his term yeah the gnomes. there are there are interdimensional beings as well and they're also like reptilians too you believe in reptilians also absolutely believe in rep they're in the bible so so who the is the reptile is it gentiles or the reptilians because because we're the ones that descend no, from esau and cain that's isn't ridiculous. that that's what kabbalah says though that that satan rode lilith the serpent right or was it i think it's even like a donkey or something anyway satan bred with eve to have cain he's polluted with the serpent and then that that's the the gentiles are descended from the lineage of cain no that's not true and well then who the, is the reptilians then? so the lineage of cain doesn't exist anymore first of all it was wiped out with the flood and the only lineage that exists is the lineage from noah and um the lineage of cain there's a spiritual lineage of cain and jews can be born in the in the books of reincarnation they talk about the the two roots shorashim the shorash of kain and the shorash of hevel the shorash of and abel. the root of cain and the root of abel and they're different archetypes of people that exist in the world because the soul was created even if the body was killed the soul still exists so the soul of cain didn't stop existing just because the i'm sorry the soul of abel didn't stop existing just because the body was killed so there's so much that took place in the Garden of Eden, and you want to know who the reptile is. Is that the question? You're, you're asking if the Gentiles are descended of the reptilians, and the answer is no, they're not. The reptilians are their own distinct class of, of creature, and they're, they are descended is Trump a of— reptilian? What's that? Is Trump a reptilian? I don't think I made so. AI images of Trump as a reptilian. The After I saw your video, actually, reptilians, you inspired that. So the reptilians are a completely mythological type level creature. And mm -hmm. actually, in this book, the one that I published, and it's on Amazon, 138 Gates of Wisdom, there are chapters that talk about the reptilians. There's a verse in there that says there's only 320 of them, and they're actually all given certain dominions on the earth, the original reptilians, and they're descended of the snake. Actually, it's such a cool story. If you look at the cur at the curse of the snake, So the first curse is that he's cursed from everything, and that on al This is the thing. This is what we learn about the snake. Is that al tolech translates on your belly you will crawl the afar tochel which is a play, and uh, afar, in Afar you will eat, which is a play on words because the snake crawls on its belly. But we learn that the snake actually walked on two legs and spoke audibly, vernacularly with a mouth. So when it's saying, when the Torah is saying, al tolech afar tochel, tolech is a reference, on your belly you will crawl. It actually is, symbolizing hunger you will always be hungry and then the next verse the afar tochel and you will eat afar the first time the torah uses the word afar it's used it's used to describe the type of earth that god creates mankind from the second time the torah uses the word afar it's describing the food of the reptilians now there's a big kabbalah in that 
that the reptilians they they feed on man. And then the and then the curse continues. Kol you will live forever. Why does the snake get a curse that he will live forever? Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were originally created as one being. And when it says that they were split that that at the rib, in the in the Jewish version, they're split at the rib. In the Christian version, like God takes Adam, puts him to sleep, takes his rib out, does a science experiment in a laboratory and genetically modifies it to become a woman. It's like a really weird story. But in the Jewish, the original Adam had four legs and four arms, had an eye in every direction of its head, an ear in every direction of its head. That's how it was all seeing, all knowing, because it had 360 degrees of sight and sound and smell. And everything in creation thought that it was God. That God made that God came and, and the angels bowed before Adam and all of creation bowed before Adam because it thought that it was God. It had all the features that God had. It was made Bitzelim Elohim in the exact image of God. So when God split this creature apart, he says he fills the back with flesh. Our back is completely flesh. There's no organ on our back except for flesh. And he separates and, and and I will say one more thing before I say this, is that that creature, that original creature, was an asexually reproducing creature. It was, it, its genitalia was constantly in itself, and its perpetual state of conscious ascension was a perpetual state of orgasm. Truth. So when God split them apart at the rib, uh, or, or at the rib cage, the back of the rib, and when in in this, however, whatever type of lab experiment, what he did was he separated the pollinating force from the incubating force. And when the snake, when Nachash, who they call in the garden the snake, but he was really the reptilian, when he saw this, he said, oh, this is the creature that was made in the exact image of God. I'm going to take the incubating force, which is the female. I'm going to discard the male. And I am going to be like God because I will wed myself to this exact, the female side of the exact replica of God, and therefore I will be God. That's what the, the Torah means when it says, it uses the word arur. I'm sorry, it, 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 arom, the nakedness and the cunningness. The snake was arom, he was so wise and cunning, but he was also arom, naked. And so he revealed their nakedness in this, this situation. So when God split them apart, the snake went in and tried to be with, with Eve. And so, like, after that, it created the next verse of his curse. The Ave Ishet Bencha Uvein Haisha Uvein Zarecha Uvein Zara. He says, and I will put enmity between you, your children, and all of your children, and all of her children. So are we just supposed to believe that this verse is untrue? The Nachash, the reptilian, had children. And so they're their own species. The Gentiles are not the reptilians. And I think that it like really undermines how vast and big God is by saying that the Gentiles are the reptilians. The reptilians are the reptilians, and they're cursed. Kol chayecha, meaning they will live forever. They wanted to be God, so God's like, ha, okay, here's your curse. Go be God. You don't die anymore. 
you know, and it drives them crazy. And they live forever, these reptilians. And they go through this whole thing. And then it says, Hu Yishafucha Rosh, talking about the children of Eve. He will smash your head. The Ata Tishufenu Akev. And you will bite Akev, his heel. The Akev also means Yaakov. And so this is where Yaakov comes onto the heel of Esav because it does have this symbology of the the spiritual thing that took place in the Garden of Eden. See, Jacob and Esau is related to the enmity, enmity between the descendants of you and the serpent. And, and isn't is, it always like yeah. the nations? It's been the nations ver that have always hated the Jews. That's that's the narrative. So that's it's, so it's it does different. It's a different perspective. Have you heard of the word tikkun? Yeah, the repair. So, so the tikkun of the incident in the Garden of Eden was Jacob and Esau. So Jacob and Esau come to make a fixing on this. So Esau plays this like archetypal role of Nachash, and Jacob plays this archetypal role of Adam. And so Esau is playing the archetypal role of sa Satan of the snake, not Satan. Satan's his own thing. The reptilians are not Satan. They're their own thing, too. Okay. L l let, me, let me ask you uh, a hard question, okay? So in your video, one of the clips that I played, you said you mentioned you were a dual citizen of Israel, and you said you called Israel your government, and uh, you said, yeah, I'm a dual citizen, but uh, America first. Like, th this is a huge issue, number one, that with the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism that they're trying to push worldwide, one of the terms that they classify as anti-Semitism is to accuse Jews of having dual loyalty, the dual lo loyalty trope. So, I mean, it's, it's obvious that there's a lot of Zionists in America that obviously do have a ton of loyalty to Israel. And I was just wondering, like, uh, Trump signed the executive order that included this. Biden included this in his national strategy against anti-Semitism. Do you think it's anti-Semitic to say that you have dual loyalty? And should we as Americans not have a concern that are, you know, bringing us back to the beginning, too, of the, the conversation of who's a vassal state to who? It's like it's our politicians that go over and bow down to the wall. It's our Christian politicians that believe Jews are God's chosen people and your homeland is God's holy land. It's Christians that believe that we're cursed if we curse you and blessed if you bless you. It's us worshiping the God of Israel, which was the goal all along of the Torah. Um, it's APEC that has the in ADL that wield the influence in America, not us interfering in uh, having our lobbies in, in Israel. So how could you possibly say that? Well, I mean, the gay lobby yeah. and the Barack Obama lobby has like, taken over Israel. Like Israel no. is completely a vassal state of Israel. Uh, Israel is completely a vassal state of America. And like everything that <sighs> happens in America, Israel does like mimicry, like a parent. It's embarrassing. And as a so, uh, so the way that I and I want to address your first question about the dual loyalty thing. Yeah, the dual loyalty. Mm -hmm. Because at first it's a great question. And so I'm born in America. I'm five generations from L.A., seven generations from America on both sides of my family. Mm -hmm. I have a very through and through American uh, upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, I did make Aliyah, like many Jews did. When I was younger, I became a citizen of Israel. Um, it was a way to be there. And to be honest with you, um, looking back, I would have 
saved my Aliyah for later in life and just lived there and just filed their dimmy resident status, whatever they want. And just, I would have just been a resident in Israel, would have been legally better for me. But the truth is, is like, I am a biblical monarchist. Like, there's different lands. Like, I believe that the government of Israel should be ruled by the, by the, by a king and not by a, a I like by the, the Moshiach, though, not, right? Moshiach not, any king, king, but a right Moshiach. not an evil king, but a Moshiach king. I don't think that the Jewish people have tolerance for an evil king at this point. I don't think that I, I, the Jews barely have tolerance for the Messiah at this point. To be honest with you, most Jews are so over it and they're so tired from this, from from being Jewish for 2000 years without any hope or very little hope, internal hope, small hidden faces of God hope and many holocausts so i think there's a lot of hope right now in that verse earlier that i was going to say well, i and, think and, right now there's a there's a lack of hope to be honest israel was just vaxxed up the ass by pfizer which is a known operation paperclip company with very deep ties to the work of joseph Mengele. and they're it, i don't, they're on I don't know where sixth, you got that they're on their sixth shot well what, operation what's your citation on that one of which one that that they're they're an extension of Mengele. So, in Operation Paperclip, which is it's mostly known for its it's mostly known for its uh, bringing rocket scientists over to NASA, like Werner von Braun and people like that. But there was a vast amount of scientists that were captured by the Americans and by the Russians, and the entire eugenics movement in America was all from the writings of Joseph Mengele. Joseph no, Mengele no, no. America was doing the, that even first. There was a lot of doctors that were repatriated to the America, America. Not just doctors, but econom, economists, mathematicians. I mean, the, the and they were put throughout many different companies. IBM is a huge recipient. Actually, I have this book. Where is it? I know, but that that's a huge leap to say that that means there's that a, there's this really amazing book right here that you should that everybody should get. David De Jong, Nazi billionaires. And you could start really putting the infrastructure of the Nazi infrastructure together just from this book. And and I'll tell you something. For instance, you know when you break they yourself were doing home. mRNA stuff back there. It's dude, it's preposterous to say that that Pfizer and COVID was a Nazi plot. I'm sorry. It's it's truly preposterous. To, Why is to that preposterous that. to say? Bo Borla, the Jewish CEO there, is getting top Israel awards Netanyahu hit him and Netanyahu. This is this is where I, I so totally this is another thing you. about my fake state. You've seen see Israel has been set up as a fake state to give the Jews this illusion that we have sovereignty over ourselves while they while they hurdle us all into a, a, a place and they just inject us repetitively in the arm with this German vaccine. Israel had its own vaccine program, actually. And it stifled its own vaccine, locked it up in bureaucracy, and signed a major deal with Pfizer, the exclusive deal. And then he brags about it on Jordan Peterson. I'll play a clip right, right now. Right, yeah. Hold on one yeah. second. I'm going to segue to a clip. Give me one example so you'll see, because I don't want to bore you with uh, detailed, detailed plans. I, I, uh, but they are detailed in my mind. Um, we came out of COVID first. I described that in my book, my conversations with Albert Bourla, Pfizer. And I persuaded him to give tiny Israel uh, 
the, the necessary vaccines to get us out first from the COVID. And the reason I could do that is because we have a database, 98%, a medical database, 98% of our population has digitized medical records and little card. And anywhere you go in any hospital in Israel, north, south, doesn't make any difference. Boom, you punch it in and you know everything about this patient for the last 20 years. I said, we'll use that to tell you whether these vaccines, what do they do to people, not individual people, not with their individual identities, but statistically, what does it do to people with, uh, uh, you know, with uh, meningitis? What does it do to people with high blood pressure? What is it, you know, you want to know that. So Israel became, if you will, the, the lab for Pfizer. And that's how we did it. We got it out and we gave the information to the world, not only been published in medical magazines and so on. Okay, I just played that clip, and you, we'll see it on the main mm. thing. But yeah, so this is I have a who says take on, on Jordan Peterson that he sold Israel to be the lab. He uses the term lab, the laboratory of lab Pfizer. Experience. Yeah, and Netanyahu also has a, in his office he has a um, a syringe, like oh the first you know uh, vaccine or whatever. I have a completely different take. Okay, I think. This is Israel trying to show off that they're the light into the nations, that they're the most technologically advanced. And, and in order to get the rest of the world to take the vaccine, Israel's like, we did it the best and we're the first ones out of COVID. And, and you know, see, we that's to everybody entirely, and, that's entirely and then so everybody else line. thinks it's safe because Israel went first. That's yeah. entirely out of line of the foreign policy narrative of Israel. It's a completely different foreign policy narrative. The They're way that Israel, about their, the, their the foreign policy tech, on Israeli medicine is completely different under with this this idea that Bibi Netanyahu says all the time that he wants to be a he says it in a Jordan Peterson we're going to be a light unto the nations by doing this mm -hmm. by injecting mm -hmm. by injecting you know it was Israel it, it, that stopped I did video Ebola. saying hold on hold on I predicted this as soon as COVID started and I started to see headlines like heading in this direction I said. They're going to be the first ones. They're going to be like the, the beta test that goes, okay, we did it this way, and everybody else follow our lead. We're the light into the nation. I literally did a video called Light into the Nations on Honestly, this very topic. you're right about it. It was planned. Israel was a planned operation of the World Economic Forum for the New World Order takeover. They want Israel to be the poster child of things, but also they wanted to sterilize the Jewish people. This drug is a sterilization drug, and people are dropping dead every day in Israel. Sudden adult death syndrome is so much bigger in Israel than anywhere else. They're just killing Jews, and it's all being done by a foreign company. You know, this is something extremely I seen, embarrassing. I you know how you said the Galut of Edom, the exile yeah. of Edom? Mm -hmm. I call it the exile of Pfizer. Us as a Jewish nation, we've fallen so low, we're not even meritous to be in exile to foreign nations anymore. Now we're in exile to a corporation. It's so embarrassing and pathetic. They have like I mean, the whole like world. The whole world got vaccinated, over, though. They don't have. It wasn't a, just Israel. They don't have a oh, virtual so monopoly over our it. bloodline. If unvaccinated people breed together, unvaccinated Jews need to breed together. But they, but outside of the unvaccinated Jews who who can still populate the bloodline, they've damaged our our ancient heritage so much we've become such a victim 80 percent of our nation has had their genes altered by pfizer corporation 
let me let me ask one one last part to the question I had earlier about the the dual loyalty stuff. Um, like I think w- for yourself and with a lot of a lot of Jewish people in America, if you had to choose a hypothetical situation, like there's you can only stop one nuke from going to America or Israel. Which one would you would you save? Wow, that's such an unfair question. <laughs> it it, it kind of is, but that's, that's like that also... question. Like, if you could, if you had to shoot your mother or your sister in the head, who would you choose? Yeah, it's like such an unfair it, question. It's a difficult it's preposterous. one. Preposterous. How about I say it like this? Mm-hmm. I think that the const. I I think that the greatest accomplishment. First of all, the purpose of creation is the expression of human free will. Let's start there. The reason why Jews are chosen is to carry the Torah, which is codified free will so that we can become exemplary in our free will and our free choice. The greatest accomplishment that mankind has done to date, independently of God or anything, obviously there was help from God, but not when it comes to the drafting of the Constitution of, the America, uh, of America. The Constitution is the greatest thing that mankind has produced in our collective quest of free will and the rectification of the Garden of Eden and all the problems that have been in the world. You think the Constitution is better than the Torah? I think that the Constitution, the only environment that the Torah can actually fully be practiced in is in a free environment under freedom of religion. And I think like in a Torah, like like if there was a Torah, like a Torahocracy, where like Jews didn't have the ability to not choose to follow the Torah, it only serves to weaken free will. Free will has to be that you choose to do this even against complete opposition, whether it's to worship God or whether it's to speak out politically or whether it's to eat a certain way. Like, it's like you have to choose that because it's so in, in inside of you that you have to make that choice. So I don't see a messianic Israel, which is the kingdom of Israel, without the American Constitution and America being a bastion of freedom for the whole planet. And so I think it's extremely important that if there is no, that the only place where the Messiah can come from is a place of absolute freedom. So like if America falls, Mm -hmm. I don't see the Messiah coming for hundreds of years. So your idea of Edom falling or being destroyed is not America and the West like many other interpreted as. I cannot rectify a world where the Messiah can come without America creating an atmosphere where freedom is accepted. And that's why it's so incumbent on patriots to take our country back. Because the more decentralized our leadership and our uh, and our government gets, the more freedom people have and the more authentic expressions of free will can produce itself, which will be the ultimate revelation in the culmination of what is called the Messiah, which will come. And I think it comes from America. I don't think the Messiah comes from outside of America, to be honest with you. Oh, well, that that's a good segue um, to Isaiah 63. It says... Who is this? It's God's day of vengeance and redemption. Who is this coming from Edom? That's what they believe the Messiah yeah. will come out of Edom. It says, why are your garments red like those of one treading the winepress? I've treading the winepress alone from the nations. No one was with me. I trampled them in my anger. I trod them down in my wrath. Their blood splattered my garments and I stained all my clothing. It was for me the day of vengeance. 
what, what does that mean to you? How do you interpret that one? The Messiah coming out of Edom and tr trotting the wine press of the Goyim. What does that mean? So it says that it's very interesting. In the blessing of Judah from Jacob, he says you will wash your clothes in wine. And Is I have the Gen Genesis 49. Yeah. And the blessing of Jacob to Judah, one of these blessings is you will wash your clothes in wine. And so it's something that I do, like whenever my uh, somebody will gift me a bottle of wine as a gift, I'll invite my friends over. A lot of them are not Jewish. They'll come over to the house and they'll give me a bottle of wine. And uh, one of the my personal rituals that I do is I can't drink it because it's not kosher, but I will take this bottle of wine and I'll get myself a white garment and I will wash my garment in that wine and permanently stain it with the gift that they got me. And ironically, that's the same color of the flag of Judah. The flag of Judah, they're, they're stained in wine. And it's, it's because of this blessing. You know, every tribe had a flag, and you fly your flag over your school and your government building and everything. In the ancient days, those flags were washed in wine because of this blessing. So when he says, well, how does the verse go? You will, you will tread your, you will walk, you will stomp on the, there, there's, there's lots of references to the Messiah treading the wine press of the nations. It says, why are your garments red like those of treading the wine press? Why your garments are red. And the blessing is you will wash your clothes in wine. Interesting, Blood right? Splitter. But it talks about the day of vengeance. It's it's definitely well, it will be describing a day of vengeance. like the Messiah conquering me? the Gentiles. How is it not a day of vengeance? Picture this. Uh, I, I, does CNN exist in that world? Does MSNBC exist? Fox News? Infowars will exist in that world. Okay, so picture it. Everybody's tuning into Infowars, and there's cameras on the Vatican, and they're literally carrying out crates of ancient treasures. Truckload after truckload after truckload, and it goes on for days. People are like, I didn't even realize the world had that much ancient wealth. Hidden, hidden secrets. Secrets from nations that don't even exist anymore because the Romans conquered them and then burned every reference to them that ever existed Christians, that they could find. The Christians, the God-fearers, the, the, the Yahweh uh, I want to say the, the Romans slaves. before Christianity. <laughs> no. They did it in the name of Christianity. The people though. who they sacked the Library of Jesus. Alexandria. I don't believe it, it, the it, Library of Alexandria was destroyed. I think that all of the books are in the Vatican. They stole them and they burned it. They Rome to impose the Torah Messiah on the rest of the world. Well, well Adam is the, the grandson of Asaph. So there is like a day of judgment where like all these books, the largest public Hebrew library in the world is at the Vatican. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's a sign of oppression. Like we still have, you have your there? stuff. Did you go there? I would love to. Mm -hmm. Actually, Rabbi Aryeh Kaplan um, went inside the tombs. He got special permission to translate a Kabbalistic text. And I was associated with like his students and the whole thing. There was a, a really famous, not famous, really, really uh, masterful Kabbalist, hidden Kabbalist. Nobody even knows he exists, but he's famous amongst Kabbalists. But like outside of the Kabbalistic world, nobody knows he exists. And he was the one who told me this story because Rabbi Kaplan told it to him. And he was he went to the Vatican to translate these books. And in the in the Vatican archives, 
uh, he saw pillars from the Temple of Solomon, you know, and he saw all sorts of things. And he was not destroyed by the Babylonians though, or Assyrians. No, the Babylonians. There were still pillars there. There were the second temple pillars. I'm sorry. Not, okay. There was other things too that from the original temple that were not destroyed. There were. You think they have the menorah? There's the Titus arch totally. with them taking away the menorah. Yeah, absolutely. But you guys already built a new menorah though, that's ready for when the temple's rebuilt. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's like, by like, do we need the books back? No. Uh, I've heard rabbis yeah, claiming that the, the we absolutely Kabbalah, need the books back. I've I've heard rabbis claim that the Jews know a secret chamber where the Ark of the Covenant is. You have a take on that? If it's true, it would be in like the most unsuspecting family. There is like a like a an organization that it, it's not really an organization, it's like a mystical thing. It's a it's called the Lamed Vav Tzadikim. There's 36 hidden tzaddikim. Yeah, the top 36 rabbis, right? It's not the top. That's who's really rabbis. running things, if you ask me. It has That's who the, the wizards the are. Let me tell you something about the oh. Lamed Vav. Okay? Righteous men, right? Righteous men. Let me tell you something about the Lamed Vav. Mm -hmm. The Lamed Vav, these guys aren't rabbis. They're like the guy who has like a little hummus stand. And he sells like hummus and falafel in Jerusalem on the corner. He's like, go hummus falafel. You want hamesh shekel, eser shekel, hummus for the best falafel in all the Middle East. You know, like the, that guy. And in secret, he's a master. But in public, he doesn't even wear a kippah. He doesn't even wear one of these. That's the Lamed Vav. They're like, there's such super secret mastery. And what, what yeah. else is important about them, these 36 secret master rabbis or Kabbalists? Well, they carry some of it. Well, Okay. In addition to the 36, the Lamed Vav Tzadikim who are, I have my own take on the Lamed Vav Tzadikim. I personally believe that it is the reincarnations of the men of King David. And every generation they have to, there's 33 men of King David. As was this book I was going to show you for our show and tell. This book, right, it's a book inside of a book. It's called Shemot HaTzadikim. I want to show you this book I'll get to the last page really quick. In this book, Shemot HaTzadikim, it is all the lineages of all the Jews. It's like 100 pages or so, this book right here. It contains every single name of every righteous individual that lived from Adam until the current generation, really seven generations ago when this book was written. Every in, righteous in alphabetical person. and chronological order. Every single name. There's tens of thousands of names in this book. It's an unbelievable book. It's in chronological and alphabetical order, and it contains all the names of all the families of Israel and all the heads of all the families and all the lineages of all the Jews to prove that we're the real descendants of the people in the Bible. It's, it's my favorite book. I used to just never stop saying it over and over again. It's found in this book called Kol Bol Yeshuot, it's it's really only found in this teaching called Breslov, which is like uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov is the one who wrote this book, Shemot HaTzadikim. And uh, the, he was the great-grandson of the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Ben Eliezer. 
who uh so it's believed that there's a moshiach in every generation right do do you have any uh speculation on who it could be right now the soul of the mashiach is the soul of adam and adam keeps reincarnating in every generation because of the sin of the tree of knowledge it's constantly going through the punishment of death it goes from death to life to death to life Whereas in other situations, people die, they go to heaven for 200 years, they're reincarnated again to finish because another body was able to be facilitate their tikkun, and they finally were able to, and they go about history like this. But the soul of the Mashiach is reincarnated in every single generation. And the, the, the Mashiach could come about through a, a variety of ways. Mashiach could come about through his own ratzon too. Like if the Mashiach is just like, okay, I'm tired of this already. I'm gonna, I'm coming. I'm done. You know, it also requires God's blessing, and there's so much more to bringing the Messiah. Like God is a participant in the Messiah when God is ready, and the world is ready, and everybody's ready, and there's all this what, stuff. What's your view of the Messiah? What does like the end game of the Messiah look like? Is he the Prime Minister of Israel? Is the he Messiah the top rabbi? Messiah is transhumanism through spiritual means, not surgical means. The, the transhumanists today, they understand that all of humanity is going to change, that the world is about to become super trippy, and they believe that transhumanism is like human-animal, surgically-created chimeras, and all sorts of weird stuff. In the age of the Messiah, the Messiah comes to do one thing, rectify death that was brought about by the original sin of eating from the tree of knowledge. And he does this and uplifts death to its, its, its rightful stage and ends death forever. But really, this is something much greater than the ending of death. Because in the Garden of Eden, before the eating of the Tree of Knowledge, there was only one world. There wasn't physical and spiritual. There was only one world. It was through the eating of the Tree of Knowledge that this became an act, and the physical world and spiritual world divorced from each other, and spirituality went up and physicality went down. And so really, the ending of death is about the uplifting of physicality to its lofty roots with the soul. And the best analogy to this is the analogy between water and earth. Because water can change so quickly, in its, in, and it could fill any form. But the earth is very stable. It doesn't change. Over time, it just changes through earthquakes. It takes millions of years for the earth to change. So the body is like physicality, and it's so slow to change. Adam, you could change your name in your body and go by a different person. You're a completely different person. You're going to have different thoughts. You're going to have different experiences. If, they, if, if just the world called you a different name and you weren't Adam Green anymore, but you'd still be in the same body, your body might not look by whoever your new alias is, but your soul will not feel at all similar to the soul that possessed the body before it because that's how powerful the, being called a name is. So in the age of the Mashiach, the Messiah comes. When the Messiah ends death, the physical is uplifted and the spiritual descends and they become one again. And this entity will be able to change its entire, however the soul needs to express itself, the body will manifest. If the soul needs wings, the body will sprout wings. It's the, and, and that is the essence of free will is like the ability to control our physical appearance based in will alone, in willpower alone. 
if I need this. So Moshiach is not, I, I, my understanding is he's like a, a real, just a normal man. And he's a political leader that like rebuilds the temple, be, yeah. brings it's peace to It's all tied Earth. into one thing. So you do think it's, a, it's, it's an actual person. The Messiah is some super based Jew who's like in with Kabbalah and is about trans changing humanity and making humanity into a greater incarnation to to taking humanity to where it was supposed to go before it ate from the tree of knowledge right now we're in a holding center like a like kind of like a testing holding zone while we work out these issues that caused us to eat from the tree the kabbalah teaches us there were other incarnations before this adam this is the sixth adam and in other incarnations they didn't survive so we're special we're winning right now we're doing good god is keeping us alive and sustaining us in this incubator phase while we perfect ourselves to bring the world closer to a state of repair so that the messiah can come it's all about let me the ask you what's that you, you just mentioned you, let me ask you this you gave me a thought you mentioned adam so it, it, you mentioned earlier Esau killed Nimrod. Nimrod had like the cloak of Adam, right? Right. So does that mean, and you also said Esau like could have been the Messiah. So, and, yeah. and like I showed you, there's Kabbalah beliefs that Jesus is related to Esau. He is the reincarnation of Esau. So does that mean that Jesus was like almost a failed first, like evil firstborn Messiah, and he will reincarnate into Moshiach ben David? I don't need to go into the evil versus non-evil debate. I'm sure Jesus was a good person. He just did things very differently than the way that Jews do things. So, You don't think Jesus was evil. You think Christ, uh, Gentiles getting their hands and perverting Christianity, that made it evil. I wouldn't say that Gentiles doing that to Christianity are even evil. I would just say that Christianity itself, the doctrines that Catholicism has created, I don't know the difference. There's so many denominations of Jesus followers that to say Christian or Catholic, let's be really specific. Mm -hmm. The Catholic Church set the entire scriptural doctrine for all of the Jesus followers, and it's the scriptural doctrine that is evil. And that doctrine is a replacement theology, and it's only intended to stifle the Jews, to create us into this group that killed God and should be hated for all of time. And the doctrine doesn't even make sense. It censors itself. It's, it's, it you, I would love to see Nick Fuentes come on here and debate Catholic versus uh, Judaism. With I you. challenged that would be Nick entertaining. to a debate before mm -hmm. through, info, through our, some of our contacts at, at InfoWars. Mm -hmm. He said that he didn't want to debate me because I didn't have enough followers. And now he's trolling my my shows and he's criticizing everybody. He's like, look at you. You're in that chair with that Jew, Adam King. Nah, nah, nah. You know, he's, he's been a, dodging me for years, too. He's a ducker. He and I'll either. tell you why he's a ducker, because he's on the payroll and he's on the payroll. Him and his little you said I love that. I, I, I have to give you credit. I never heard anybody call it the incel frog army. Yeah, that was all you. I mean, it's such a good line to describe him. I. I who calls themselves a groper? It sounds like a perverted groper. Like it's like, ugh, I can't stand. I don't that know guy. where that where the term came. Honestly, any time that that guy wants. They're to delusional. Debate. They hate Jews, but they worship the King of the Jews, and uh, just 
The only Jew that's acceptable is Jesus, and then we're going to ethnically genocide his entire race and force Jesus to marry a Gentile, but we're going to make him God. I mean, well, that's I like Catholicism. Say, oh, but he's not going to marry, you. actually. I forgot he's not going to marry. They don't want to genocide you. They want you to convert to Jesus. They're, 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 and he's in a bunch. They're and so what happens mad if we you don't? guys, you guys rejected your Messiah that was meant to conquer them to begin with. Like, I've never seen a more cucked attitude. Like, who who cares? What do you mean cucked at it? Who's cucked? Like, they, they're they mad at you for rejecting the Messiah when, like, the whole idea of a Jewish Messiah was, like, to come and redeem you and to conquer the nations, basically. And then they're mad that you killed him, even though that's that was his plan, that's God's plan, like and they would have never been of... saved without it. It's mental illness. I, I I do. I do think it's mental illness. Yeah. To think that we to think that the Jews need the salvation of Jesus is a mental illness. And because all they've given us is oppression and intolerance. And so it's like how. OK, you, like, let's say hypothetically, the Jesus religion is the correct theology. And then and Jesus, let's say hypothetically, Jesus was God. Right. So like. What is their God going to say, like how they how they sold it to the nations? Like they sold it the same way Islam sold it, convert or die. You know, and they like made these like incredibly in violent doctrines. Mm -hmm. Constantine and then Theodosius outlawed paganism. The, the, they went from pagans per, uh, persecuting Jews and Christians to the Holy Roman Empire imposing the Torah on the whole world, basically, and the king of the Jews. It's not the, the Torah of the world or the king of the Jews. Their book is not the Torah. the Torah around the, the world. Even the, These concepts are fundamentally different, and I don't agree that... I know that there's a, a, a this like conspiracy that Jews secretly created Christianity and are controlling the world because people want not to believe secretly. that. They no, that's what I believe, believe but that's what happened. Where else you did believe the idea that come Jews from? created Christianity to oppress their grandchildren for thousands of years? I don't know if they had the idea to do it for thousands of years, but definitely Paul and that, Peter like, and the people that created these the guys, Gospels. Paul and Peter and everything uh -huh. like these guys who like created Christianity. They did it like thinking that they would only persecute Jews for what, 50 years. How long was the persecution going to go on for in their minds? These people are evil people. First of all, anybody who could betray their faith isn't really that faithful. There's a there's it wasn't a concept exile in and being persecuted in there's like a, a lowly nation Judaism. part of the prophecies. Say that again. Wasn't the exile and then the persecution of Esau and Jacob like part of the prophecies? And that, that there's the concept of like being refined. There was the yes, fire. there is a part of the prophecies, but but when we, it, it when says I hear the, the Jew, when I hear that the Jews required. are responsible for Christianity. Like, yeah, where else did it come from? It came from themselves. Gentiles are not capable of making their own doctrines and faith. I mean, you don't are think you Paul limiting was the ability? You think that's Paul was you not a That's you limiting what Gentiles are capable of. That only the Jews can create such a thing. And it's well, like after, completely after oppressive Paul, to they Jews. started entering the church. It's completely and they did antithetical have to our it. way of life. Like to say that the Jews are behind Christianity is really a, you know, I'll tell you. You know, I know who's really the apostle behind. to the Gentiles. The Gospels were written not for the Jews to accept it, but for the Gentiles to accept it. That's you how know, they were to be to to worship the God of Israel without becoming Jewish. Thing. Listen, when Caesar chased Pompey across the Rubicon into Egypt and mm -hmm. the Pharaoh of Egypt 
gave Pompey's head as a gift to Caesar and said, I did this for you. Take Cleopatra the seventh. You're, a, you're an animal culture. You have no culture. Take her and marry her into your aristocracy. And Cleopatra the seventh comes with her obelisks and her Roman uh, and her Egyptian cults and Mithraism and all these different religions and all these pagan gods and all these things. The Romans themselves had no culture except for violence. That was what Asav was. He was just violent. That's not true. That's not fair. That's really demeaning to say they had no culture. Okay, what violence. was the Roman culture? They were badass. They had a they had a badass military. You know. Okay, so what did they use evil? their military for? To to spread the empire. It's, and they, how did they, they were, do that? They were hardcore. By what? genociding people and stealing their books and locking them in their vaults inside of Rome, which later became the Vatican. They would let people keep their cultures and their gods. They were they were more tolerant religiously. They were more tolerant religiously than Yahweh is, the the jealous God that wants to eradicate all competing religions from the Jewish people. No, from all people. No, the God of the Jews allows the non-Jews to do whatever they want to do. That's no, very that, that's that, very that's very clear. Non-Jews no, are allowed. The nations will will follow the God of Israel. Like it says, in you mentioned Genesis and look at 49. What they, and look at how the nations manifest themselves today. There's like 2 billion Catholics. There's like 3 billion Muslims. And they all just talk about Abraham and the Jewish people all day long. It's like way more clicks than Alex Jones on, on, on YouTube. Like yeah, the Jewish people. The Abrahamic religion has dominated is, the world. It is. <clears throat> and, and you have two competing replacement theologies. Islam, who says that Abraham took... Ishmael onto the altar, and you have Christianity, which says that Jesus came to replace Moses and the old ways, and that there's a completely new way now, and that any Jews who don't get new on covenant. the bandwagon are going to hell forever. Oh, and by the way, eternal hell is a new concept, too. That never was. Even though the Jews have a real concept as hell, and all but, the but cultures they all of the have world have a concept as hell. Too. The they Greeks have, have Hades. All these cultures have hell. Hell's mm -hmm. a real place. But now the Christians are going to say, oh, hell's different now, too. So forget about that one. And really, Christianity is just is like just a bunch of people terrified of hell, eternal hell. And if the Christians knew that hell was a place of compassion where people go to work out their most the, the patterns of, of destruction and violence and, and, and sin that they that they can't get out on their own. So they die and they go there. But it's only for a limited time. Like if they actually knew that hell was for a, was only a limited amount of time, the religion wouldn't have as much power as it has. It only Christians has power been, because of the fear that pe people are so afraid to die and go to hell. I agree. And and what do they have to believe? They have to believe in a blood magic Yom Kippur scapegoat atonement sacrifice of the King of the Jews, and they have to believe in the power of Jewish prophecy. Essentially, otherwise, they're going to burn in hell. And they won't even just allow the Jews to teach them anything about Judaism, even though we're the only ones who read Aramaic and speak Hebrew and write in all the ancient languages that Jesus spoke. Like Christians don't even really want to know about our theology, which is really Kabbalah. They do now, though. That's changing a lot. There's well, I'm Christianity on InfoWars, being... so I hope that I could spread the gospel here. You know, my gospel. Right, the, the goal. The goal is to. Um, uh, what's the verse? Tobias Singer always mentions it that. I think it's, I want to say, Zechariah, 
that all of the nations will like admit that they were wrong and go and grab the tassel and say, we heard God is with you, like teach us the ways, that type of thing. That's what the goal is. And that's the goal is to to make Christians convert to be Noahide compliance and to be play the Esau role. You use like these words that are really like, like when you say compliant or verse non-chosen, like these type of words. Well, if there's chosen, then there's also non-chosen. They're Hillary Clinton words. They're like, I no. call them Hillary Clinton Compliant. words because I could pe- yeah, because I could picture them being in like a room. Like, what is well, like the most the correct word so that we could carry an intention with this word? Like, it's not that they're compliant or non-compliant, or that Jews feel like we have this like mission to make the whole world follow the Noahide ways. There is a better way. For example, kosher food. I think it is so barbaric the way the humans eat meat. They literally either put a bullet in its head or electrocute it to death or chop its head off. There's like an actual civilized way to slaughter an animal where it doesn't feel the pain of its death. And kosher animals have the trachea in the throat in the beginning. Pigs don't have this. The trachea is in the back. So you have to cut through layers of, of nerves and fat tissue before you could get to the trachea. But all the kosher animals, the trachea is right in the... In, it hangs in the front of the throat and you can make a surgical incision into the trachea and cut off the windpipe and the animal dies in peace, not even knowing that it's dead. I and don't think that's true. That I, is um, the way that is the concept of kosher a, meat. A, that's what kosher. A lot is. of. So yeah, I'm but there, there's that better there ways. Things that the Jews can offer to the world, like kosher meat. Like if the rest mm. of the world was like, wow, that is very wise. And we could save bullets, too, because it's only using a knife. You know what no, I'm saying? I'm it's pretty sure that they suffer even. more pain by having their throat slit and bleeding out than other ways are it's more humane. That's why PETA is done, like it's a surgical PETA's incision been and kosher. it's done by a knife. The the only thing blessed in the process by a rabbi is the knife, and the main process is the sharpening of the blade. To make a kosher slaughter, the blade has to be sharpened to a, a specific degree that it literally just sinks into the flesh. And literally, a surgical incision is made into the trachea. And there's, like, mass production plants. And then there's, like, people like me who prefer to go to private uh, slaughterhouses if wherever I could find them. And in the private slaughterhouses, they will. B- there are slaughterhouses that are done by Kabbalists where the Kabbalist will sit there and make sure that the animal is in a complete state of calm. I've been there before. I've seen it happen. They'll pet its head for... 20 minutes before they slaughter it. Make sure the animal doesn't have an ounce of fear running through its body. The animal can never see the knife. So the knife is always behind the rabbi. It has to be hidden from the 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 animal so that the animal doesn't even know. And then it has to, it's just a nick. Click. And the and it literally goes into the trachea, cuts a, the the windpipe. Because on the on the kosher animals, literally you could study this. The trachea literally comes down right to the level but, of the skin dude you're, you're totally wrong about this though this is not the the most humane way to kill an animal what do would, you think would the most you rather way to kill an animal is i'd rather have a bullet to the head than have somebody slice it twitches uh, get my throat yeah they t- they twitch like crazy and then you're Maybe eating the twitch times this was the i never thought we would be arguing about and then you're like kosher and slaughter. the animal's like so afraid it could feel the pain it's like and you're like eating all those hormones that it's pushing into its body maybe in ancient the animal times doesn't this feel was that. The, Listen, way, the last time i saw kosher slaughter done was with a chicken okay I literally i saw it done this is what happened they cut the throat 
I saw it with my own eyes. You're saying that's not humane? I saw it with my own eyes. This is, and I, that's how the chicken was killed. Maybe people are just going to have to Google or YouTube kosher slaughter and, and decide you're for gonna themselves. See, but you're you're going to see. I never like, imagined we would be arguing this. are going to go this. out and they're going to be like, look at them. They don't even do kosher right. You know, they're going to go after the Jews for whatever they could go after the Jews for. But, yeah, look it up. The only way to eat humane meat is, is through kosher slaughter, without a doubt. And that is wisdom of the Jews that has nothing to do with religion or God or theology that everyone can benefit from. I mean, the meat is better, too. Like, you could taste it in the meat. It's softer meat. Because the animal's not writhing that. in fear and pain as it's dying. Uh, so, you mentioned earlier Genesis 49.10 when we talked about the, uh, the washing his garments in wine. I, I wanted to read a little bit and get your take on this. So it starts yeah. with verse 8 in Genesis 49. Judah, your brother, so the Jews, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your sons sons will bow down to you you are a lion's cub judah you will return from the prey my son and then the scepter will not depart from judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the goyim of the nations shall be his and then tether his donkey to a vine his colt to a choicest branch he will wash his garments in wine his robes in the blood of grapes and his will be what a it, gathering of all the peoples of the earth. So obedience of the nations. This is how the Messiah think is about going that. You to, left out the last one about the Messiah. Because which part? That his will be a gathering of all the nations of the earth. Which verse is that? Shiloh. He will rule until Shiloh. Ad Shiloh. The scepter will not depart for you until Shiloh. Judah, your brothers will acknowledge that you be at your enemies as far as the lion cub is from Judah. He does he crouches down like a lion also? The scepter shall not depart, nor a scholar from his descendants until Shiloh, and his will be an assembly of all the nations. You read that wrong, dude. You said the Goyim yeah. even. That's not I, what it I says. got the the Goyim translation, yeah. You have like the Christian translation. Of course it's gonna say some hate hateful thing about Jews. Listen how beautiful it doesn't say this anything line hateful is. about Jews. Let's it, it okay. Let's the compare these lines. The let's compare Christians these want lines. The same thing. Number ten. Okay, I'll go to 49, a translation. 10. Just forty nine ten. Read it to me. Yeah, the scepter will not. Well, this is the NIV. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, and that that represents a Kabbalah. No, 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 no commentary. We're just okay. comparing translations. Start over. Until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Listen how bullshit that is. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a scholar from among his descendants until Shiloh arrives, and his will be an assembly of all the, all the nations of the world. We live in different worlds, man. That is not the same. Let me check same. the King James and see how much they changed it that is complete. from there. I can even read it in Hebrew if you want me to read it in Hebrew. Sure, spit it. Let's hear it. Spit it. Don't spit it too much, though. <laughs> okay. Got me busting out my glasses on set. Lo Yisor Shevet Me Yehuda. Yehud, Jews. Judah. The scepter will not depart from Judah. Umchokek mi ben raglayim, and a wise one from uh, from all of his children. Ad ki yavo Shiloh, because is coming Shiloh, because he is coming Shiloh. 
Velo yekachat amim. And his will be an assembly of all the peoples of the earth. That's what it says Hebrew directly. Yeah, the the King James is is much closer to your translation. It says the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. What is the next verse about binding his foal unto the vine and his ass? He will tie his donkey to the vine, to the to the vine branch, his donkey's fowl, meaning the the poop. And he will launder his garments in wine and his robe in the blood of grapes. He's going to collect fertilizer and make fertilizer from the donkeys. Why is he washing his garments in wine? It's a sign of wealth. You know, like you're drinking wine. You spill it on your white shirt. You got a stain. Mm -hmm. You got so much wine. All your clothes are just washed in wine. It's like a custom. It's a beautiful custom in the tribe of Judah. His eyes shall be red with wine and his teeth white with milk. W- what does that mean? That's incredibly esoteric stuff, dude. I know. I imagine. That's why I'm asking. I bet What's you the teaching? if we if we want to do so, I bet you the Zohar talks about this and it dedicates probably like 50 pages to it. <laughs> so intense. You, I'll have to, what I do is I'll get the verse. I'd click it in and say Safaria and but then I just click want to on point the out commentaries. Adam, okay. how how that that pissed me off this new international bullshit thing that is so offensive to me that is okay all you christian protestant jesus catholics out there who are watching this that is antichrist bullshit right there your new international version you hate the the real messiah to write a verse like that you hate the messiah because it clearly says that the messiah comes with an assembly of all the peoples of the world and they translated that we're going to rule the goyim. Obedience of the nations shall be his. That's what it says. I'm going to bleep this out later. Get the f*** out of here. It, and the scepter shall not depart from Judah. That means the Messiah shall not depart from Judah. It says in the That's Kabbalah secret that is Moshiach ben Joseph. Nechokek. Chokek is like a chok. A chok is somebody who like understands the laws. A chok is a law. So Mechokek no, is somebody who like, is, is a Mechokek. He's somebody who knows the laws. So Judah will always be a, like, a law, like a scholar, a lawgiver, somebody who knows the laws. And it's true. We still but, have rabbis to this day from the same tradition, passed down hand to head from Moses to this day. It's called Smicha. We have it still. It says in Psalms 110 too, Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. So that's the Messiah coming which out one? of Zion and ruling amidst. What, which one? Psalms one ten two. Dude, this type of a conversation changes the world because people actually believe this stuff. One ten two. A rod of thy strength out of Zion, rule thou in the midst Hashem of Hashem will enemies. dispatch the staff of your strength from Zion, rule amid your enemies. Not rule your enemies, rule amid your enemies, despite your enemies. So that's that's a reference to Jesus. They took you that verse to re- and created the Jesus character, and now he's How ruling, um, he's ruling Edom, which is the enemies of the Jews. See, that's such a stretch. It's like, how do you get to Jesus so. from that? Like, I don't understand. To me, that's like, that's wild that they say that that means Jesus. Look at the re- look at the rest of one ten. No, regarding David, a psalm: the word of Hashem to my master, 
Wait at my right until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. Mm-hmm. Hashem will dispatch the staff of your strength from Zion. Rule amid your enemies. Your people volunteer on the day of your campaign because of your majestic sanctity from the inception of your reign, from your inception, which really could mean like creation, like creating the world. You retain the dew-like freshness of your youth. Hashem has sworn and will not relent. You shall be a priest forever because you are a king of righteousness. Referring to God. The Lord my is ver- your... my version says a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> Doesn't even say and, that, that... and that's why it's likened to Jesus. And then it, and then it says Wait, it actually the Lord... says the name Melchizedek? Yeah. Yo, this is like plagiaristic bullshit, man. There's like no word Melchizedek in this entire verse in Hebrew. Atakoin leolam el divarati Melchizedek. Oh, it does say Melchizedek. It says Malkitzedek, your your kingship will be righteous. Not Malkitzedek, the guy who lived Malchizedek. They're so dumb. Well, probably when they when they translated it in the Septuagint, that got twisted. But the Septuagint is what they used to create Christianity for the most part. Right. So like, and that's what I'm saying. It's like that's why people need to get the stone edition of the Tanakh. The if they I, I'll teach people how to read Hebrew if they want to read Hebrew. Like this is just like the truth needs to. The truth will set you free, and you're under mind control if you believe that hell is eternal, and that the New International Version is the correct word of God. That is just but, disgusting but th- to me. Th- this is my problem with this verse, though. It, like, if this is the Messiah ruling in the land of thine enemies, making the enemies the enemies the footstool. Um, that's not what it says, dude. It says that it despite your enemies, uh, you you got enemies all around, and I'm going to make them a footstool for you. Like, don't fear your enemies. Hashem will dispatch your st- staff from the strength of Zion. Rule amid your enemies. Do not fear them, he's saying. Do not fear your enemies. Rule. Don't. And, the, and, he, and, the and literally, I say this Messiah. to Jews. I say this to Jews who are embarrassed of where they come from. They're nasally. They they like they're they're so insecure about what they they don't even know their history. They're always apologetic for what they think this or that. God is saying in this verse, rule amongst your enemies. These people, they hate you. Rule. Your staff comes from Zion. Rule. Don't be afraid to rule. And so what's wrong what... with crushing your enemies anyway? What is wrong with crushing your enemies? Well, well, if your enemy is anybody that doesn't worship your God and is an, a heathen idol worshiper, that's not then... what this is saying. This isn't saying that like your enemy is 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 the op- opposer of God. This is saying that you're a king, you're a righteous king, and you have enemies. Like, don't be afraid of them. Like they're. The Christians, they take these lines and they like blow them out of context and out of proportion. They take one line. They don't even read all of Psalm 110. They're probably just reading just number two. And how does that mean Jesus? That is mind boggling to me that that could mean Jesus. Well, that verse is related to the star prophecy of Numbers 24, where it says a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter. Scepter and rod are kind of interchangeable meanings for Messiah. Uh, the rod of Jesse is one of the, the, the things that represents the, the Davidic star. 
And it says, Edom, so a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of the people of Sheth, and Edom will be conquered. And, and they took that verse and used the Jesus myth to conquer Edom, which was Rome. To Seir, his enemy will be conquered, but Israel will go strong. And here's the other deeper thing. Yeah, but there was other enemies besides Rome, too. And David wrote this. I know. David wrote yeah. this when Edom wasn't even an enemy. So there was like four, about 400 years before Edom and Israel even had beef again. After this was written. But this is like the top messianic prophecy. This is why they had a star in the saying. sky. That's what I'm saying. They're a house the of cards. Court. They're a house of cards. Like, like, without the fear of eternal damnation in hell, nobody will stay believing those lies. And if Christians... Or Jesus followers will come because there's so many more Jesus followers than there are Christians. If Jesus followers would wake up to the truth that there is no such thing as eternal damnation in the fires of hell, they don't want to. They're not going to want to stay in that mindless religion that censors anything. It censors everything, literally. And here's another thing, right? They didn't like, censor all, the Torah, though. They spread the Torah around the world. No, they don't. They spread your bullshit new international james version lies and deceptions of the jews around the world it, it, it's still for the most part it's all the exact same stuff there's very that is very minor that's a fundamental difference in the blessing of jacob to in the blessing of jacob to judah that's such a fundamental difference in who the messiah is they're literally saying that this make your new international makes him sound evil dude He's going to conquer The King all James the... was much closer I to yours. I could see so why it's, you it's... would feel that way. I could see why you would hate Jews or the not Jews. I take that back. I could see how you would create a, an entire career hating the God of Israel because of what Christianity fed to you. If that was what no, I was given growing up, if, if I was given that growing up. That's what I, I see the rabbis say, too. How did the rabbis read make on that their new website. international version verse? Dude, I, I could look at your I could look at your interpretations. The King James was much similar. You, you're really getting bogged down that it was. I mean, the verse was somewhat similar. It doesn't really have that much of a difference. But it, I, I think to, it had a fundamental. How, how, what are we out on time? By the way, I know you said you wanted to keep. We it. We got like a lot of time. Below. I was thinking about it. We're coming up on two hours here. Oh, really? And uh, you and I got like ten more episodes that we got to do in order to get all this stuff out. But I feel like this conversation needs to be fully aired out in the public. And I'm down to go through every single verse you want to ask about. I'm down to learn about the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have a ton of knowledge about Dead Sea Scrolls that I don't have. And, uh, you know, there's so much information share that this episode, two hours doesn't do us justice. Because there's so many places that I could take this that I want to share. But I do want to do one thing. Before we leave, I just want to remind our viewer audience that uh, we are on InfoWars, and um, we need... Buy the boner pills, super male vitality, <laughs> exactly. X2 Please iodine. click this like <laughs> above and go get some super male vitality oh, and man. keep us on the air because we bring content like this to the public, really groundbreaking content that people need to hear, stories that need to be told. You only find that... Well, in actually, Infowars. not until you, they haven't covered this these topics. Well, InfoWars is the only place open to having me, so let's put it that way. So please click this link above. Let's go to InfoWars store, support the InfoWars. Did you ever buy anything from InfoWars? I did, yeah. What did you buy? 
I bought uh, Tangy Tangerine. This was like that's old over school. Ten, yeah, it was. This is a long time ago. So I, I had a T-shirt. Dude, I went from being a big fan to being like making so many videos for years exposing Jones as a Zionist uh, propagandist. And the world and I would changes. Love yet to again. debate so him. So please I feel click like that link above and let's go. Be, what? Click this link above. Let's go to Infowars store. Let's keep this on the air and we'll get back to our broadcast. Thank you guys supporting the podcast. So um, finishing up here because I don't want this interview to go on forever. I mean, I kind of do, actually. I kind of want you and I to go on a tour and, like, go to churches across America and have this conversation with, uh, you know. You want to have a panel with you, me, and Nick Fuentes battling it out. The, oh, uh, my God. Yeah. You can moderate the debate. <laughs> no, I, I want to be in the debate. But uh, we got maybe AJ will moderate. A panel. An but the truth is, is Nick Fuentes, with me, Nick Nick, Fuentes you, will and never Alex come Jones. on. That would be like a dream. Nick Fuentes is he doesn't have an ability. He doesn't. He's not going to ever debate me. He'll he'll never want to. He's too shy. He's too afraid. And if he does, it's just going to be violent. I just feel like he has nothing but hatred in his heart towards Jews, and he's very open about it. I'm not like. Here's the thing, Adam. I don't see you as being an anti-Semite, and I want to publicly refute all the Jews who said that sit there and say that you're an anti-Semite. I think you for sure probably have a lot of anti-Semites as followers and you give them a lot of energy, you know, because you're like challenging narratives. There is nothing wrong with challenging any narrative whatsoever, whether we want to challenge Christianity or Judaism or Mithraism or Hinduism or any type of ism. You should be able to challenge it. It's a part of, of critical thinking to be able to look critically at these things and ask yourself if they really are true or not. And if they are true, they should be able to stand up to criticism on the merit of their truth alone. So, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with you asking the questions that you ask and the pursuits that you pursue. And when organizations blanket label you an anti-Semite, it really does disservice to real Jew hatred out there. And there are I Jew ha haters that, that follow you. I saw a couple episodes where... Somebody got up and said, you know, uh, talked about the kikes, this and the kikes, that. And you stopped and you're like, do not use that word on my show. This, it, you know, it pissed you off. You Is know, that like, on my show? Because I don't take callers on my show. It was some so, scene. Was some... It was some clip that you, you played in one of your in your in okay. your show. Uh, in your show with me, show. somebody said yeah. something. Hold on. Here's Myth Vision. I haven't seen this. Like that Christianity was is named Muslim. Derek, I, I would just uh, like to ask, why do you gatekeep the fact that Christianity was made by Jewish kikes? Also, hell, Adam Green, you need to kill Hold on, hold on, who is this? Who's trying to make me look bad? You know that I'm, I'm totally opposed to using derogatory terms like this. What is this, a setup? He was wearing a mask, I don't remember what it was, but... But you, you, you know, you stood up, this is an intellectual pursuit for you, and there's nothing wrong with that. And you got to look at organizations. Does it make me a bad person? Does it make me Amalek to oppose the Torah and the No, the only thing of, that makes uh, somebody support Amalek is when they blot out free will from society. The cancel culture, the censorship, that's all Amalek energy. That is what Amalek comes to do. Amalek comes to blot out the name of freedom from humanity. Is the we ADL Amalek then? You know what? They could be. There's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing, man. Do you think George Soros, they call him a Holocaust survivor? How, they, how, they call Alex how, Jones anti-Semitic when he's incredibly pro-Zionist. 
there's like a lot of disinformation and the and the campaign against the right involves like thousands of little agents of dissent like Nick Fuentes who are paid by like some deep agency to go around and make shit up and like no, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if he's on the hook by like maybe the Catholic Church or something. I don't know. Whatever. Forget about Nick Fuentes. It really doesn't matter who's on the hook. Let's ask there's Leo Zagami if he's being there's paid There's a lot off of these people the out there who are, who, are, who are saying this person's controlled opposition, that person's controlled opposition, and all they're doing is keeping those people out of the fight. So well, people you know, say that Alex Jones is, is an anti-Semite, but clearly he's not an anti-Semite. People say that you're an anti-Semite. Clearly having this conversation, having the last 10 hours of conversations you and I have had Clearly, you're not an anti-Semite. You know, people want to label people these things so that they could shut them down and silence them. And that's what Amalek wants to do. God saved the Jews from Egypt and from slavery and gave them freedom. And Amalek could not have the narrative that, that humans could become free. Once that they're, that, that, they're, that they're dominated, they have to stay in domination. That's Amalek energy. So... That should be defeated in the world. That should be wiped off the face of the earth. Amalek energy. Humans deserve to be completely free. I've got a whole compilation about Amalek. People should search it on, just search, search Amalek on BitChute and it'll be the top result, I'm pretty sure. We could do a whole series on that, but um, I really, I, I love having you. I love our conversations, honestly. Like, they're so deep and you know, you've shown me other books too, like Sefer Hameshek and other things that, you know, I started reading and looking at. And I showed you like Rabbi Yossi de Lorena and other stories. And it's like an information share. Like the most important thing is information share. In highly informed worlds, people can always make the right decisions. And there's no, and, and this is my challenge to Christianity and Jesus faiths is don't censor anything. You know, like, let the people explore their curiosity as far as they could take it, you know, and, and let truth stand up to criticism. There will be people that genuinely hate truth, and that will, you see that in today's world. You see that with people like the ADL silencing everybody in the name of anti-Semitism. That, that pisses me off when Ron DeSantis signed that bill in Israel like you're governor of Florida why are you going to Israel to sign a bill you're such a loser like using the Jews is that scapegoatism stuff right there ADL using, stuff, hold on hold on well ADL on. stuff is scapegoatism stuff right there it's like they make Jews out to be these people that want to sign <laughs> we got to back it up there a second nice sound effect I know. Ron DeSantis flew in Sheldon Adelson's private jet. The, Sheldon Adelson, the biggest donor to the Republicans before he died, who said that he's all he cares about is being a good citizen of Israel and a good Zionist. I got the clip. He flies over to Jerusalem to sign bills. And this is showing the power that they have over American politics. Not they have the a lot. There is a lot of power, but that is a fake Zionism. You know, Trump, oh, Adelson's fake. You know Trump, the clip of Trump where he says that Israel used to have complete control over Congress, and then he said, rightfully so. Who said that? Trump. He said it actually a couple times. He did it on, on a Jewish guy's show. Uh, I think it's Ari Hoffman. Oh, I know Ari. We know each other from the Elders of Zion meetings. 
I'm just kidding. Clip that. <laughs> clip that. That's the truth. No, I actually, Ari and I never really got along because I owned a cannabis company. And I, I'll never forget this time. I was like at some like Republican event and Ari was there. And like I was always speaking about marijuana legalization. And I, I, I swear this actually happened. True story. I went to a public bathroom at, at like the I was at this at the hotel bathroom and I'm sitting there at the urinal and in comes Ari Hoffman. He's that guy who go, goes and does those those videos, right? He's got like a radio show. Yeah, he does like the ISIS on campus. Is that the same guy? I'm not sure about that. No, I might be thinking of a different guy. But he, whoever this guy is, I think it's Ari Hoffman. He he like dressed up and waved an ISIS flag at Berkeley once. Is that the same guy? Here here's the headline. I just googled Ari Hoffman in Trump in Jerusalem Post says Trump says quote literally Israel literally owned Congress in interview. He said quote this is in the sub headline quote Israel had such power and rightfully like what in the world that's America no, first. Ari to say Hoffman Israel is a different guy. Completely controls Congress. Ari Hoffman is a different guy. I never met Ari Hoffman. Okay. The other guy I was thinking about was uh, Ari ISIS flag at Berkeley. Who is that guy? Oh, I know who you're talking. I know the Ari. I think he works for Breitbart now or something. He's uh, the guy yeah, that does exactly. the street interviews. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he walked into this stall and he's like, what are you going to try to legalize next, Adam King? Heroin. I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay, boomer. Cringe. Anyways, Ari, I, obviously God doesn't want his name being said on this, this show, so I'm not going to. What do you think about that? Trump saying Israel literally owned Congress. That's problematic. It, is it problematic but, but because it's think, true and I he admitted it like or because true, it's not though. true? I also think it's like clearly not true. You think Ilhan Omar is controlled by Israel? Okay, Alexander you can name what? A, the tribe, a couple, a couple hate, of people that aren't? The Democrats hate Israel. No, say that no, Israel they don't. Owns the so many of them go to APEC. APEC brags about having bipartisan. APEC support. is the most one thing feckless loser organization that does nothing. They're like a complete do nothing organization. They're like, a, how many donors can we collect so that we could create an infinite bureaucracy organization? That's APEC. They don't do anything to promote Jewish interests or they want like status quo eternally. That's all that they want. Status quo. They don't, they don't promote Israeli interests at APEC. Uh, they promote some things like if you're on the approved list. But the truth is, is like Israel doesn't own the Congress like Democrats like hate Israel. Everything that Democrats do is anti Israel. What about the fact that so much of Congress is Christians? And I think that a lot of these Christians God's are really chosen united. People. Like that has they're power. united in their faith because they think it's what Jesus wants them to do. That they're united well, they think in that you guys have to set up Israel to so Jesus can return. But I do think that there is like an essence of truth to it. Like like Israel really is like a, a like the redemption of the Jews is like the same thing of like the redemption of all marginalized people who have like lost their land and had, you know, ethnic genocide done to them. It's the story of the Armenians having justice over the Turks. It's the story of blacks and slavery. It's the story of. Uh, of Native Americans in in America. I mean, like it's a there has to be a rectifying factor that like nations that have been brutalized by other nations have some sort of justice. And the, and the Roman exile, which we're in, culminates with judgment on Rome. 
and that is the redemption. And that is something that absolutely has to happen. It's just we're not going to perpetuate this narrative indefinitely. Give us our books back. It, it's interesting you say it that way because, like, Judaism represents the underdog against uh, oppression and that that is Rome. So it's almost like everybody's battle against, like, Europeans, the, the Romans. Israel even won its independence from Britain. You know, and, like, Britain is like a new Rome. Pax Britannica, you know what I mean? Well, they also got the Balfour Declaration and those Western countries created the UN that approved of Israel, too. I'm not saying, look, there's a lot of people who have vested interest in their own political power. Not everybody. People can work together without working together. Do you know what I mean? Like just because yeah. two factions. Like you and me. Like exact, you and me. This is, I'm strongly opposed to the Torah. You love the Torah, but we can have a well, conversation. Well, I don't really think you're so strongly opposed to the Torah. Some of your beliefs that we shared privately, like I just think you don't understand what the Torah is. I think that if I understand you it more. I understand the, it and I don't like it at all. Well, I, I think that there's a lot that you don't understand. And I think that you understand a lot of it through the lens of Christianity. And I don't think that you've had any experience with my lens whatsoever or people who think like me. I think that you've met a lot of rabbis and a lot of Jews that are willing to I get up I haven't met them. I've watched them on, online. I follow I, them online. I, okay, so... I live this 24-7. This is like my whole life. The Torah is like my whole life. And I'm telling you, who you think the God of Israel is is not the God of Israel. And if you knew who the God of Israel was, you'd be like, that's actually what I think God probably is. Like, God, okay, for you, what is God? Let's start there. I think he is a fiction of the imagination of the ancient Hebrews that made him in their image. Is there any and coincidentally, they created a God that chose them and the idea that I'm going to grant people the power that to believe that they're chosen by this God and that they can speak for God, I find is all preposterous. So in your lexicon of God, right, Just a way of controlling. Is people, there a yeah. higher power over Adam Green? Is there a power that created Adam Green? Uh, no, I think I came from my parents. I don't think I was created. So you're like descended of like the system of evolution. I do believe in evolution, yes. And at That's some the best point, explanation. Much better than Genesis. At some point, there was a Big Bang. I don't like, necessarily believe in the Big Bang, no. I think the, Earth, the universe could be eternal. Do you think that you descended of apes? Uh, from a common ancestor? Yeah, we're obviously primates. Look at us. A so you we did an AI evolution of me from an ape, the time the evolutionary progression. You don't, don't believe in evolution? I think that evolution can exist with creation at the same time, but I don't. I think that we were definitely there's something superior to us. Like, why don't any other animals wear clothes? If we just if we evolved from animals, why didn't any other type of animal species also evolve to have a super intelligent class that wears clothes and speaks vernacularly? Not even apes speak vernacularly. So, like, what happened in the human saga? Did we like eat a magic mushroom or all start smoking weed and it stimulated our brains to grow? You know? I think we started cooking food. Do you think that there's any sort of mythological non-human races? Do you believe in aliens? I believe there's life elsewhere in the universe, but not that there's aliens life? that are. It, there could be very likely if the, it would be here, it could be elsewhere. So it could but be here. So I don't think that they've traveled that here and, and that they're interfering with us here, though. So humans are the pinnacle in your lex in your world ideology. Humans are the greatest thing that ever happened. 
our advancement is the highest evolution has ever become advanced. And all these books and mysticisms and it's all a metaphor for something else an illusion it's not real that's mm -hmm. what you believe yeah well no i don't i if there's life elsewhere in the universe like we're talking so many billions infinite time possibly infinite space infinite time there could be other civilizations that popped up that became more advanced than us in one could way those or another civilizations be here in this world interacting with us so. behind the closed no. behind I, closed I think they're so far doors. away it would be impossible for them to travel here so we've never made contact before you think i don't think so we could exist but we've never made contact mm -hmm. despite you know elite organizations and all this stuff and all sorts of weird conspiracy theories like all these conspiracy theories are like not real ufo sightings are what what are ufo sightings um, they're obviously secret Nazi bases in Antarctica with uh, flying saucer technology, That's right? That's the only Isn't way to theory? understand it if there's no uh, advanced uh, intellectual species besides humans in our in our in our universe. God created a system of nature and a system of free will. The system of nature he put into motion eons ago, eons ago. And the system of free will is the part where God breathes his breath into the nose of Adam. Whatever that was, whatever symbolic event that was in the, in the Torah where he describes breathing his, his ruach into Adam, his spirit into Adam and making him come alive as from an inanimate object. Whatever that is, that's that's where we're. That's why we're here. We exist. The concept: Why do we exist? What is existence for? What is the what is the value of non-existence versus existence? If all that is in existence is existence, wouldn't non-existence be a much more beneficial system than existence? You know, it's like it's much more simple mm -hmm. to just simply not exist than to have all this existence, let alone it not mean anything. Yet the seasons come in their time every single year. We have desires. That's we have emotions. Because of the wobble of the earth, though. That's explained. I appreciate you, Adam Green. <laughs> I appreciate you and your unique perspective. And I think that uh, there is a, a deep pursuit inside of you. What do you think about paganism? I don't believe it, but I think that it would be better for and people all over the world to have more in touch with their ancestors and their traditions than abandoning them and calling them demons and then worshiping that I the, agree uh, with you completely. God of Israel and the King of the Jews, Jesus. Oh, God, you have like a brand that you need to stick to. But that's I agree, what he's called. I it's not the brand. Listen, that's what it is. Vatican, he's called that. That's I'll tell you something. When the Vatican called. archives are emptied. All the Europeans are actually going to re realize that they descend from tribes with customs and extremely interesting, unique historical facts about them that they don't even know about themselves. It's not that it's just that the Jews are being blocked by the Catholics and the Vatican and the Romans. The whole world is caught up in there. 
Alexander conquered India. Where do you think all those artifacts are? There's so much inside the Vatican that's not just Jewish. And it will be the Jewish claim against the Vatican that releases all of that knowledge out for all of humanity. So whether God is real or God is not real, you are totally free to choose however you want to believe. And that's the benefit of Judaism. Judaism doesn't work unless you could choose that God is not real. It's not Judaism. There's no, and because Judaism, all Judaism or Torahism really is, is free will, the promotion of free will. And free will can only exist in free societies. So I commend you not believing in God because by not believing in God, you prove my faith in God that God created a system of free will where someone like you could choose not to even acknowledge God's existence, which makes free will even so much bigger than just like doing what God says. That's ridiculous. No, thank you. Thank you for being at this moment in your life. You might not be this forever, but thank you for being an atheist because you prove that God is really about free will. So that's what I believe. And I also believe, and one thing about Alex that you mentioned is, Alex, we were talking about this earlier, Alex really wants everyone to get along. And we know that you've made a million view, views on, on, on Jones, and we know that you've gone hard on him in the past. Alex is really an altruistic person. He really doesn't want people to fight each other. He wants everybody to work towards a common goal of saving children from pedophilia, ending the New World Order, uh, he's prosecuting the, the evil, order. corruption. He's, he's, hold on, hold on. This is an important point, and and I want to debate Jones. The only way I'll, the, you know, that's what that's what needs to happen in studio debate with Alex Jones on these issues, and uh, he's fighting the New World Order, but in the name of fighting the new world order he's almost like trying to usher in and advocate for the torah new world order he's like oh the one world government one world religion that's what every christian rabbi wants torah new so, world order that's so dumb what like when you say the torah new world order like yeah it's like why would you go to that place like why the messianic prophet prophetic it agenda. has nothing his christianity is it like jews are jews christians are christians why is he ushering in a Torah New World Order when he's a Christian? And we've already gone for like two hours showing I so know. many differences between Christianity and Judaism. They're completely different faiths. Why is Jones the Torah? They're, why can't Jones truly just believe in Christianity? Why is it so hard to allow him to believe in Jesus? I have no problem with him believing in Jesus. Christianity is predicated on Judaism. He worships the, the Messiah from the Hebrew scriptures. And he wants, he, he believes the end times and, and the the goal of Christianity is to have Moshiach ben David, you know, ruling the world essentially from Jerusalem. That's what Christians want. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and that's essentially what rabbis want too. They both want the same Not thing. Confess, the profess. following the prophecies of God's plan. Profess. Every what? tongue will profess that profess. is God. Not confess like I did wrong. No, they will profess. They will say, "Oh, I see God. That's God right there. I know God exists now because I profess." Every knee will bow and every tongue will profess that is God. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I want to just reiterate this point. Like there are so many different factions. Like I said, not everybody is lumped together. You can't just say Jones is a Zionist Torah shill. He doesn't even know the Torah. He knows the <laughs> New Testament. He knows Jesus. 
He his prophecies are concerned with Christian prophecies. That's what he believes in. And as I just showed with the blessing of, of, of Jacob to Judah is one case where the New International Version is a completely different thing. In one, the Messiah comes and conquers and submits the nations. And in the Jewish version, the Messiah gathers all the peoples of the world together in Jerusalem for a gigantic kumbaya. These are such different worldviews. That's one example, though. There's plenty other uh, verses where there won't be this translation issue. And is very problematic with with well, what it calls for. We could go into them on future episodes. I would love come to come on my show. We'll we'll I share screen. We'll get deep into the text. I appreciate the invitation. Nobody invites me on their shows, so of course I'll show up on your show. I'll show up on anybody's show who invites me on. I'm so happy to carry my message and stand behind what I believe in, not like a coward who hands, hides behind what they believe in. I'll stand up for my beliefs any single day of the week, and whether it offends people or it doesn't offend people, this is my truth and i believe in this and so and i'm not here to proselytize or convert anybody but i will stand up for what i believe in you made a two and a half hour video about me we've i think made two and a half hours together today in uh, response and and we could do another two and a half hours later we could go through every single verse of the torah and really really go through this i'm down to do a weekly class with you if you want to go through this we could go through every line of the torah and really get to the nitty-gritty and end this debate once and for all that Christianity and Judaism are completely different faiths, that Christianity is a replacement theology that imposes itself on side of Jewish texts and tries to always um, uh, uh, co-opt them to mean something about Jesus when they don't mean something about Jesus, like we just saw. Or in this case, where it took something it backwards, about the Messiah though, that's not what and says there, that the Messiah there wasn't, is, hold on, there is wasn't a, a Jesus type of Messiah. that lived and did these things, and they said, oh, he died, and then they looked for the scriptures to try to claim he They were looking at these scriptures, reading them mystically, esoterically, and trying to see, like, oh, how is God revealing the secrets in the Torah? And then they connected verses in Isaiah, Zechariah, Daniel, Psalms, and then created this new, this new narrative. That's people will always have a way of finding justifications for their beliefs. It's why people strap bombs to themselves and go into places of worship and blow themselves up. Because they will always find a line of a Bible or a line of a verse somewhere and be able to take it out of context and create atrocities by taking things out of context. And history is bereft with examples of people taking things out of context, zealots, taking things out of context and hurting other people in their zeal zealotry. There's no place for that. There's no place for that. To, you could be zealous for your faith without having to impose it on other people. That's I, done really, not I, only I, taking I, things I, out of I context. I resent these notions that, I really do resent these notions that, that Jew, we're like, we're completely non-proselytizing faith that we're going to conquer the world or Jews are out here to conquer the world and submit the nations. We're here to share our unique face and culture with the whole world, just like everybody, in a gigantic human collective share. And we believe that we have a lot to share with humanity and offer to humanity. And so there's nothing wrong with wanting to share that. I don't have any desire. Our Messiah doesn't come to submit the world by the sword. He comes to gather the world together for justice against horrible, corrupt institutions. That's what King David did. King David took out all the evil kingdoms of the world. He didn't go like the Romans and march through every single nation by the sword and, and either ki 
You pay us taxes or we'll kill you. David didn't conquer every kingdom. He only conquered the evil kingdoms. And that's what the Messiah will come to do too. He's not here to submit all the Gentiles. He's here to submit the evil people of the world, Jew and Gentile alike, and bring them to justice and, the, and free the, all of humanity. Because Jews are also Gentiles, newsflash. Gentiles means peoples. And this is another term taken out of context because Jews are Gentiles too. Jews are goyim also. We are also a goy. A goy that, is a that's person. That's not co completely true, though, because the way the nations is used is to slang, mean the non-Jewish world. In colloquial slang, a goy yeah. is somebody referred to as a non-Jew, but in actuality, in definition of what the word goy or, or Gentile means, it involves a Jew, too. So all I'm saying is that the Messiah is going to judge a lot of people. The Messiah is going to judge the George Soroses of the world just as much as he's going to judge the Klaus Schwabs of the world. Everybody will receive their judgment, their just judgment, measure for measure. And that will happen. And, and the people that don't want to be subjugated or don't want to follow the rules of this Messiah, will they be judged harshly? If they don't want to follow, what is the rule that they don't want to follow? Well, well, they have to be Noahides. They have to like thou shall not murder. The one, yeah, if you the follow, oneness of if you God. Don't follow the no, not, Messiah. Not murder. Says, That's not the one I was anybody. bringing up. When he if, when he follows the Messiah, and says don't kill anybody, yeah, he should be like somebody who doesn't follow the law, and like wants to steal, commit adultery, kill even after the Messiah. Yeah, that guy's gonna get judgment. But the person who doesn't believe that the messiah is here that's not what the bible says this is such an event where every single person on earth at the same time acknowledges the presence of god every tongue will profess so until that happens it's not even like you have anything to worry about you should be sitting with anticipation excited to see proof like god is saying he's going to prove himself to you the messiah is coming to prove the existence of god that should be an exciting thing like i look forward to being proven like that's not like this thing. I'm going to fight it. God forbid they should ever have the ability to prove God's existence. I mean, it's like that's what I'm hearing. It, it, what, I, what, what, what we have, what we have the ability to do is bring about a global transformation of freedom and peace and connectivity to our divine nature. And that is what the Messiah comes to do. And that will be transhumanist and People in the future will have all sorts of mythical powers based in their free will. People will be able to levitate and bend things with their minds and all sorts of reality bending is going to take place in this messianic era. It will not have the resemblance of the modern world that you see today and the practicality and the, and the, uh, the structure of the world today. The world will be completely transformed in the age of the Mashiach. And until that happens, you don't have anything to worry about. And when it happens, all of your fears will be dissuaded on what you think that time will be. And it's not some time of Jewish domination where we sit there in our leather boots and our whips and make sure that Goyim feed us grapes while they fan us. That's they are supposed to about, pick, dude. We are supposed to pick your grapes, though. That's not what this is about, man. It's about freedom. The, the, it's the about Christians are already going to Israel to go pick the grapes for them. Evil in the world. It's about ending evil in the world. And, and bringing the world to a state of repair from its brokenness. That's what the Mashiach is about. 
And so I, I, I encourage you to come back more again. I'm going to go on your show. I encourage you to come back and keep the dialogue going with me. And let's go through these verses. Let's show this conversation. I'm down to have this conversation with you. I'm not running away from it. I'll bring every single thing that I have to the table. I won't hide a thing. I'll tell you about everything. I won't sugarcoat it. I'm a non-apologeticist for everything I believe in. And uh, what I believe in is good. And it's good for the world. And it's good for humanity. It's the. W it's would you be down to debate a Christian on my show? Would I what? Would you be interested in debating a Christian on my show? I'd, li I'd like to see that. And I'll, I'll just be completely out of it. Yeah, sure i mean i'll do whatever honestly whatever this is I, i'm down to have fun with this like i think you're a great guy or i really i feel like i made a friend and to all those people out there who like saw this announced on the internet and they were like adam king versus adam green it's asa versus yakov it's a fight that's to the I death said. and you, that's not what you got guys sorry we became friends i hope i could call you a friend can i call you a friend I consider you a friend, but I, I, you know, you have friends that you can disagree with strongly on things, but I respect the fact that you're, you know, I did a video coming after you and you were willing to talk to me and uh, be respectful. I mean, what I don't like is the Christians lying and making up delusional conspiracies that I'm a secret Mossad agent and that I'm a crypto Jew and then all this stuff. That, that's the type of uh, demonic snake-like behavior that really pisses me off. Uh, rightfully so it's it's uh duplicitous and it's like uh it's snake-like you know so but um these conversations there you know we have a lot of mutual things that we could focus our energies on like justice against christian uh, against uh, against jesus-based faiths you know it doesn't we don't have to lump everything into one thing that everybody's actually working for the Jews. The Christians are working for the Jews. The Chinese are working for the Jews. The Germans are working for the Jews. The Nazis worked for the Jews. Alex Jones works for the Jews. Adam King is the linchpin King Messiah, IDF Mossad agent that rules them uh, all. Alex Jones's new handler. <laughs> I'm Alex Jones's handler. You know, I'm so it's like, come on. The world is so much bigger than it that they. Like so many individual people want to rule the world to think that they're all going to work together and not have a problem with each other. Come on. Anyways, I learned a lot from you. I hope you learn a lot from me. We're going to do this again. This interview is going on super long. It's going to be my longest interview on Bandot videos. Two and a half hours. It's uh, We'll chop it up. I don't know how we're going to chop this up. I got the clip of you telling everybody to go to InfoWars store. So Alex is going to love that. I want to throw this up there on the screen. Everybody, look at our views on our live feed. 4.46 billion views. That's what InfoWars is all about, baby. We are the juggernaut hey, on the ship. Numbers. Coming on InfoWars is a big deal, and uh, defending your beliefs and being open to hearing other things is a big deal. I really look forward to your show, Adam. We're going to have a lot Me of fun. Me too. Me too. I'll bring you through the ringer big time when I can share my screen and show everything. Adam Green, everybody. No more news. He came on my show. He did it. I salute you, man. This was really fun. I want to give a shout Thank out you. to all the Info Warriors who tuned into this whole podcast. This was really great. There's a lot of people who are going to go nuts on the internet. I really hope that everybody watched this whole thing. I want everybody to stay tuned for another episode of the Adam King Show coming up. We're going to do all sorts of crazy stuff like this. You don't even see what's coming. We are bringing it down. Third Temple, baby. The Messiah is coming on the Adam King Show. Oh. <laughs>
Moshiach on InfoWars. <laughs> That's a line. Exactly. Listen, Adam, this is fun. Take care, everybody. Good night. God bless. Stay tuned, InfoWars, and stay classy. Peace. Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. <sighs> oh, boy. Fly like a bird, uh huh. What you heard, uh huh. El Mountain, big bird, I'm a big bird. 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 I'm